on the Timana podcast show today, we have our very own Kimmy. What's Kim? What's your surname, Kim? O'Brien. Kimmy O'Brien, the general manager of Warehouse Project, the general manager of Park Life, acrobatist, gymnast, tumbler. Parkour. Parkour. Tricker. Tricker. Spiritual gangster. Crossfitter. Crossfitter. I mean, I do a lot of stuff. Kimmy, is there anything you can't do? I'm not very good at swimming. (laughs) 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 And and tennis. What do you mean? You can swim, though, can't you? Yeah, yeah, I can swim. But I'm not very fast. And I tend to be kind of one of the slower swimmers. So I just leave it. And I is mean, that something you want to be getting into swimming? Not really. No. no. I prefer the more um, active acrobatic roles. sort of active roles, yeah. I mean, I like swimming and I swim on a holiday, but it's not a forte. How did you get into doing acrobatics? Is that the right word or is it gymnastics? Yeah. No, it's probably more What's acrobatics. What's the difference? Well, so acrobatics is more circus esque, gymnastics is quite a serious discipline. So, or a sport. So, you know, you know, growing up doing gymnastics, it is quite serious. The coaches are serious. Um, There's not a lot of messing around, really. It's, you know, you do things in a traditional sort of way. And then acrobatics is more fun. So that's sort of the difference. Right. So you started doing out gymnastics when you were in school and stuff. Yeah. And you were, were you the gymnast girl? Yeah, I was at our school, really. Um, I did gymnastics from primary school through high school. And then when I got to about 15, discovered boys and quit gymnastics. Bad times, bad times. (laughs) But there was a bit of a transition in the middle as well. Um, I did gymnastics all through childhood. And then as I got into early teens, I did taekwondo as well. Oh, wicked. So, um, and I really loved martial arts because I was a really shy child. So um, when I kind of got to 12, 13 and started taekwondo, it was amazing because I've always had a ridiculous amount of energy, like more energy than I can handle really. So... I'd go to taekwondo three times a week and I'd get absolutely battered, um, sometimes by grown-ups, you know, but you'd go and you'd get the absolute shit kicked out of you. And then I'd come out and I'd just feel refreshed and calm, you know, with the right level of energy for the rest of the week. Cool, that. Yeah. And then um, after taekwondo, kind of finished finished out school, went to university and... Did all the fun things that you do at university, like going out and having fun. And I always wanted to get back into the gym, but it was just something on the periphery, you know, because I had to I had to do my degree. I had to kind of get through life, work out all that stuff. And gymnastics was like a luxury that I didn't really have at uni. So it was only, in all, you know, as I've got into later life, like late 20s, early 30s, that I've got back into all this stuff. I want to join gymnastics now. So you do can. Do you want to talk? Should we talk about this? Because... <clears throat> Okay, wants to get into gymnastics. Yeah, I mean it's it's a hundred percent doable. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, part of the journey with my life is the fact that I've managed to succeed and get into gymnastics and get to this level where I can kind of do what I want with it. Really, I'm never going to go to the Olympics, but mm-hmm. I can do amazing things. And five six years ago, I couldn't. You know, so there's a big part of who I am now, which I'm sure we'll talk about, which is making other people believe you can do anything that you want because Mm. I've done it. You know, I've gone from smoking loads of cigarettes and partying loads, drinking and whatever when I was at uni to being this, I I like to think I'm an athlete now, you know, very much, I very much live like an athletic and a life of an athlete. Let's take it back then to give people a bit of an understanding of Kimmy 
O'Brien as a girl, a little girl, what did you want to be when you grow up? Um, I just wanted to be successful. What does that mean? I wanted to do well at whatever I put my mind to. Yeah. So I always, I suppose, when I was at school, I wanted to do something. Actually, when I was at school, I wanted to be a PT in the army. Right. So I always had this kind of dream of doing something physical. Um, and then um, I was really good at kind of tourism and business and stuff at school and at university and college. So I always assumed something with to, to do with travel I'd, I'd work in. Um, and then I've kind of gone through gone through university and I fell into this job which is obviously helping to create amazing events and and now this is my dream you know but so just take, take me back because you skipped your life very quickly there Kimmy did I yeah <laughs> I'm just like oh my god she's grown up already <laughs> <laughs> so you've started off in school and yeah. you kind of right okay something in PT something yeah. to do with exercise that kind yeah. of thing so what went from there what did you what what tell us about your qualifications and going into college what, what was your, your move from then? So, um, so from school, I wasn't massively academic. I was kind of average at everything. Um, obviously, the stuff I did outside of school was kind of what I was really enjoying doing. Um, the one thing I was really good at, at school was leisure and tourism. It was like a double GCSE sort of thing. Did you do that at school? Yeah. It was it, history, geography or leisure and tourism. Maybe you're a bit older than you. I don't think, I don't <laughs> yeah, think I remember that. leisure and tourism. Do you? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I grew up near Blackpool right. in Polton the Files. It's a little town in yeah. Lancashire. Um, my mum's Parisian and my dad was from Gorton. Um, anyway, I grew up near Blackpool and leisure and tourism was a thing. I don't know if it's everywhere, but it was definitely our school. And I was really good at it. So I could just, I found it hard to engage with. When you say leisure, give me an example of what, what does that actually mean? I know, I kind of know what it means, but how do you do that as a... Well, it was kind of like, I mean, I've forgotten really, but it was kind of like <laughs> looking at how to plan travel around the world, businesses that traveled, like yeah. economies of different countries, you mm-hmm. know, um... So it that was a has lot. kind of fed the job that you're in now, though, exactly. hasn't it? Exactly. Like, business strategy based on travelling the world was kind of a lot of it, really. And I found business strategy really interesting, so, you know... In what way? It's It was the one thing, even when I went to uni I did, and I did tourism management at uni, it's the one thing that I could really engage in. Just looking at markets, seeing what is happening out in the world, and then applying a business to it, and looking at a business and looking at its strengths and its weaknesses and how to turn its weaknesses into opportunities, that sort of thing. I found it fascinating, and it it was the one area of university that really got me back focused into it. So you went from school, and then from school you went to... I went to college. What did you do at college? I did um, like a double A level in tourism. Right. And did really well at that. I got um, two A stars, I think, or something, whatever the, you know, the alternate, you know, the relevant thing yeah, it was yeah. for that. Um, and then I did it at university as well. Are you, are you, well, this is happening. You've still always got this exercise thing going in the background. Are you drinking and you're smoking? Uh, up to college, up to the end of school, I was still kind of fit and active after school and college, I had like a my first boyfriend, mm. and uh oh, <laughs> they, ruin, they ruin you. That yeah, people. that was the end of that. Really, it kind <laughs> yeah. of fell to the wayside a bit. Yeah. Um, and then university was just fun. You know, God. university was a party from start to finish. Yeah. Until eventually, I had to knuckle down because I actually did want to pass my degree. So, came to Manchester, did my first year, started my second year. Wasn't focused at all, so I dropped out my second year and I resat it, and then I went back with much more focus in the following September. 
still I worked throughout the whole of uni as well. So for me, I've always had a really strong work ethic. What were you doing? Flyering, working in bars, right, that sort okay. of thing. Um, I worked in so I worked in bars throughout the whole of uni. Isn't it weird all these little things that you're talking about are actually de- destined for the job that you're yeah. actually doing now? It's great, it's funny. like the universe. It, isn't it? is really funny. It's yeah. like being drip fed yeah. right yeah. from an early age. Yeah, flyering yeah. and working in out front. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I've yeah, always been kind of coming in this direction, which is really random because I wouldn't have thought so. Um, you know, it's just di- digressing quickly. It's funny. Somebody said to me about six months ago, you'd have made a really good primary school teacher. And I was like, but my calling was raves. Yeah, true that. <laughs> you know, and it's just so funny. And I would never have thought. Um, so where was I up to? University. So you're at university oh, yeah. and you're kind of like off your back yeah. in um, the first year. Yeah. And then you thought, oh, well, I better sort something out. Yeah. Um, so and fair, that's generally how everyone's first year at uni goes. Yeah. The first year doesn't count. Yeah. Well, I smoked mm. a lot and I drank a lot and I had fun. Yeah. So fitness was kind of a luxury that I wasn't healthy enough to do, you know, and obviously I never had any money either. But was it there? Was it in your mind thinking of, oh, I want to do... Yeah, I've always... I never in a million years dreamt I could live how I'm living now. Yeah. So when I was at uni, my vision for the future was um, just something. I never really, I kind of lost my vision when I was at uni for the future. I was so engrossed in just getting on with it. See, yeah. that's interesting because I had in my head an image of you like bicep curling Heinz baked beans yeah. in your <laughs> college dorm. Um, no, but what I did used to, I did used to go to the gym when I was at uni, um, but more just to maintain maybe the, the mindset. I used to, on a Friday night, I'd go to the local gym in Fallowfield. I'd get on a bike and I'd cycle on it for an hour and a half, just making phone calls. Well, you were still planning, smoking. Yeah, planning the weekend, <laughs> like ringing everyone, texting everyone, like what's the plan, right, where we're we meeting. <laughs> and then if I was really hungover, out of guilt, I'd march myself back to the gym, get on the bike right. uh, or on the treadmill and I'd just do a bit more. So I did do it. It was like my salvation through uni. Yeah. You know, like it was the place I'd go to be on my own. I'm an only child and I quite like being on my own at times. Mm. Um, so going to the gym would be like my time. No one would ever come with me. So it was always something I did on my own. Um, so talk, talk to me about the uni of it. So you've done the first year and you thought, right, I'm going to take it seriously. Yeah. What um, What was the point where you thought, right, this is the time to get exercise? Was it during uni near the end or was it after you finished? It's much more recent than that. So I didn't oh, really? I didn't get into all this stuff when I was at uni. Um, what happened? So I did the first year, uh, started yeah. the second year, dropped out, came back to uni, started to focus, got a good group of friends yeah. when I reset my second year. Um, and they were all, we, they went out and they drank and stuff, but they all really were quite focused on succeeding. So I was suddenly surrounded by people who wanted right. to do well. Yeah, it's called that, isn't it? That's yeah. what you need. Whereas previously, and actually, my good group of friends, who I'm still friends with now from uni, um, we all wanted to do well, but we were more focused on going out and yeah. the music scene. So suddenly I had a second group of friends in my when I reset my second year, which weren't into the music scene. They were into a few drinks in the pub at the weekend and let's get our homework done. So I was around the right people, Mm-hmm. knuckle down um, all my housemates at the time were going out raving every weekend and I'd be like bye and sitting in and doing my homework which yeah. was a new thing for me finish university how did you do that if you don't mind me asking what was the switch that you thought you know I need to do that because it's, it's hard to say no well again it comes back to just wanting to succeed in life Yeah. so I've always had that I've yeah. always known it is really hard to say no really but hard what was the point where you, you started to say no um I don't know. I just was surrounded by the right people. And I just I just decided 
this is time now. Yeah. I've had my fun. Because if you think about it, that's actually quite a defining moment in your life to kind of go, right, this is it now, we need to... So it was difficult, actually. Yeah. Um, I had a friend, a really, really nice friend who I live with, a girl called Faye, and she'd help me. So it was difficult transitioning from being out and having lots of fun to being focused and studying. So she would come and help me with my homework. Right, cool. She was at uni as well, but yeah. she was super into, she was really into fitness. Maybe she was the catalyst that changed me. Well, they say you are the kind of making of the five people you surround yourselves with, aren't yeah. you? Yeah, yeah. But and that's what I like. That's what I want to talk to you about, your defining moments. Because yeah. when I talk to people, I always, I, I, I like where they come from. And I want to know, because that is your point. Yeah, not so that you've probably thought or talked about I've it. I've never thought about it really. Right, so. It's that but, pivotable moment. Yeah, yeah. Isn't it? being surrounded by Faye, who was super healthy. I've not spoken to her for years actually. Really, I really need to phone her. <laughs> right, see, good. But um, she ate really well. She trained every day, and actually, that she was probably the the turning point. And for the few months it took me to really break the chain of going out and learn to focus properly she would help me with my homework she would help me with everything you know and she took loads of time and all of a sudden my focus changed and I wanted to do well um and I wanted to see my friends from uni and I would go with them but like I said I've always wanted to succeed in life and I knew at some point I would have to really knuckle down and focus so yeah I wanted to do well it's, it's, it's mad that, isn't it? Because I know people who, who haven't taken that and actually carried on doing the going out and then they've not really accomplished anything. Well, And they've gone too far down that yeah, line to I come back. I think once you have a sniff of how good it can be, yeah. though, you know, when you really knuckle down and... Yeah, so what happened, um, I, I got into my final year and for some reason I really engaged with my dissertation. Um, half my tutors at uni and half my friends thought I shouldn't really have succeeded because... I worked all the way through uni. I did still go out. I might have had a fresher focus, but I still kind of had a great life at uni whilst focusing and doing my homework and stuff. Going to my final year, picked a topic which I found interesting for my dissertation, which was, um, it was about how wars in Eastern European country, how political instability in Eastern European countries has affected tourism, basically. And... I really, really enjoyed the topic and I got really into it and I spent six, eight months, however long it is, focusing and studying and learning. Um, and I did really well in my dissertation. I got a, I got a 2-1 in my dissertation and a 2-1 overall, which I didn't expect. My friends didn't expect. Um, my tutor, I think, was like, how have you managed that? But I'd just focused and I'd done well and I obviously had it in me to succeed if I wanted to. Mm-hmm. Um, and then... The week after I graduated, I got a job straight away. And that was another point as well. That was the f- I first started working for Sasha, my boss, a week after I graduated. He owned a bar in Fallowfield called Sofa. And I just knew I wanted this job so much. It was like a really big challenge. It was assistant manager for a bar. And I'd, I'd only ever been at uni working on bars and stuff. I'd never been offered a manager's role. And I didn't see myself as a manager either because mm-hmm. I was a bit soft and flaky, you know, in my opinion at the time. And I just really wanted to succeed. It was like the biggest challenge anyone had ever offered me. And I thought, I want to do this. And in a way, um, what actually the turning point for me was to stop all of going out and partying was I had to cut myself away from a lot of my friends. I'm friends with them still, but my life had to totally change. So Mm -hmm. I didn't go out anymore at weekends with them. I didn't spend time with them in the week. And there was a good period of maybe six months where they were all like, 
we can't believe you've ditched us and why don't we see you anymore? Yeah. And, you know, um, and it was just because I knew if I was around my life every day, I'd never change. It's so I'd just go that. to work. Yeah. So from being 21, I became a workaholic and and it suited me really well. So just just give me the point where you finish uni, you got your two, one, and then how did you meet Sasha? What was well, I've the... been flying for him for years. Right, okay. Through uni at Sankey's. Right. And all my close friends kind of... Well, so what was his um, thing for Sankey's end? Was he part... He owned it. Oh, did he? he I didn't know it. that. Yeah, so him and his business partner of the time, Dave, they owned Sankey's. Yeah. Um, and my, my entire circle of friends and myself, we flyed for them through uni. Right. So we kind of knew him at the time. So yeah. um, he, I've been kind of doing loads of flying for them and I, I told him... Um, what my plans were or what I've been up to and how I was getting on at uni. And he could obviously see that I was pretty focused. And he just said, well, yeah. there's this opening coming <clears throat> at, the, at this bar in Fallowfields. Um, you're more than welcome to take the role, you know, on a trial period or whatever. Okay. Um, took it and worked really, really hard. So tell me, what were, you, what were you doing there then? So general manager? So I was assistant. Assistant, yeah. Yeah, and there was a guy who was a general manager in there at the time who was awful. Um, he was a few years older than me, um, came from a big chain bar in town Michelin Butler actually yeah and I came in as assistant as Sasha's kind of friend you know yeah. and the general manager at the time didn't like that because he was like thought I was an inside person yeah. mm-hmm. and I gave it 150 percent so I worked every hour God sent I tried so he's really not, hard he's not gonna like that because no. you're gonna be overworking him yeah. yeah I was putting loads of hours in um what sort of thing were you doing tell me what kind of thing were you doing so I was looking after all the staff. I was kind of, um, I was in every day, six yeah. day, probably six days a week. So I was working from, um, you know, sometimes this guy would have me in at six in the morning waiting for deliveries that were never going to come till 10 a.m. He just would say, well, there's, there's a chance. And I know this now because yeah. I know that they say the window for deliveries is like six till six, but it never comes till after 10. But he'd have me in there. And sometimes I'd even go in my dressing gown. So I'd be in pajamas and my dressing gown, I'd get a cab to work and sit there from like half five, like waiting for this delivery that was never going to come till after like He's kind of setting you up for failure. Yeah. Graph that though. He He's would, probably helped you out, to be yeah, honest, hasn't he? Yeah. All the bad people in my life really have yeah. helped me out. Use them as inspiration. Yeah. yeah. Um, and. I just worked maybe 60 hours a week and one of Sasha's business partners at the time kind of guided me a bit. This general manager, anyway, ended up getting sacked because he was just not pulling his weight. He was not a good person. He was, I don't know the ins and outs of why he was sacked, but from where I was standing, he was no good anyway. It was called laziness. Yeah, it was coming. Um, And um, I applied for his job. So when he was, when I heard that he was going to leave, I said, well, listen, Sash, I would really like to go for general manager. And no, it's a big step up and I've only been here a few months. So um, Sash was like, right, well, you need to sit down and talk to my other business partner, which is a guy called Jason, who's now a very good friend of mine. Yeah. And um, he said, he's going to give you a bit of an interview. So I said, okay, fine. Um, and he said, make sure you focus and say the right things because it would be great to give you this opportunity. Um, so anyway, on this particular day, Jason, Sash was like, right, can you go upstairs and talk to Jason? He's going to give you a bit of an interview. So I went upstairs and I was really nervous. And Jason asked me all sorts of boring questions. And then he said, right, I'm going to run an emergency scenario. Um, you go down into the cellar and you see that one of the gas cylinders has leaked. It's leaking gas. I just need to stop you there. Because I was told to ask you about this. Were you? <laughs> I got on my sheet just uh, <laughs> to interrupt. Who, who got the question? So I um, spoke to Sasha mm. before the podcast and I just did a little bit of background <laughs> research on... I didn't even know about ...what it's really like to work with Kimmy. <laughs> and one of the questions I got was, ask her 
and in big letters you must ask her what happens if there's a gas leak <laughs> i still don't really understand why this is hilarious right and this is like 15 years on um so anyway he said what would you do if there was a gas leak in sofa so i said ring 999 would anyone else ring 999 not really no, no. <laughs> you just turn the gas cylinder yeah. off <laughs> and this was like my interview for general manager oh, and Sash was sat there as well and Sash just went like banged his head <laughs> but Jason luckily is such a funny person like he's hilarious he just found it absolutely hilarious and went based on the fact that you give me such a ridiculous answer yeah. you can have a three month trial Love that. that is pretty smart that's but it, my brain it? just thought gas leak yeah. and it forgot to connect the fact that it was just turn the gas cylinder yeah. off um, you were looking at the people. That, you were looking yeah. at the people. And it's like, like, what do you put <clears throat> in a toaster? I've heard this one before. Toast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's like you too. <laughs> um, so that's never. I've never been able to forget it. Everyone brings that up. Like it's pretty cool, though, isn't it? Because it's like it is kind of making you actually assess the situation yeah. and kind of go, "Is that actually the right?" Yeah. It's quite a really good question, that, actually. Wow. So what happened? I'm gonna um, use that. I think. Jason was then kind of Sasha and Jason, the two guys that own Sofa. Um, mm. Sasha was doing all sorts of stuff with Sankeys and their various goings on. So Jason was kind of my week to week mentor. So he'd come on a Monday every week and I was so nervous because he was this really confident, powerful guy. Yeah. And we'd just make a list for the week of things for me to do. And this list was so big. It was like... What's, what are the, some of the things on the list? From us, because we don't, we don't really know the in ounce of working in a... Yeah, so it was kind of a new business. Um, yeah. So loads of stuff needed doing. The whole place needed maintaining. All the suppliers needed to be vetted and checked and maybe find new suppliers. Um, just, just maintenance, admin, like learning the GPs of what the drinks cost, doing checks on... They call mm-hmm. it line checks every day. So um, I had to... Do stock takes all the time, that sort yeah. of thing. The gen- find new chefs, start new menus, and this list was just bigger than bigger than a day, the hours in a day. And it's I remember it took me about four or five months, and this list was just never going down for months. But if my hours were fifty hours a week, I'd work seventy, just because I didn't mind putting my extra time in because I wanted to make sure I did a good job. Yeah. So really, from the minute I got that GM position, I work was my life and I loved that I loved the challenge and mm. Sash would come in each week and spend an hour teaching me stuff so Jace would be my mentor as in like this is what you do day to day and week to week and then Sash would come in once a week and teach me something like the meaning of life sort of stuff so I mean this is another pivotal point <laughs> in your life isn't it yeah. because there's no, the, the Jason and Sasha didn't they give you that job no they could have hired somebody new all this yeah. but they must have seen something new yeah. to kind of go you know what this yeah. girl's got something in her yeah yeah. Which is really cool, wasn't it? I'd, well, um, yeah. And, you know, it's funny because Sasha, you know, Sasha's the one who had the vision for me. Yeah. Jason needed convincing. Yeah. And Jason's told me we're really good friends, you know, best best of friends. And he said to me, you know, Sasha saw it at the time, but I've got to be completely honest, I mm. wasn't convinced, yeah. you know. That's what makes a good business partnership. Yeah. People who have got, you know, because Sasha, Sasha's more creative in it, but the other one's yeah. a bit more logistical. Yeah, and exactly. So, yeah, yeah, exactly. I totally get that. Um, and then Sasha would come in each week and sometimes bring me a book. So we'd be like, read this book. This is, you know, this is a great book. One was a one minute manager about how to manage people differently. Yeah. And actually I read the book in an afternoon. Um, Not in one minute. Not in one minute. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm a big reader actually, but I don't read very fast. Um, 
So the one minute manager, it's funny how things are significant in your life. It's just a, it's just a very small book about how to manage people differently and how we, each of us are important in our own way. And you might need shouting at, whereas you might need a bit of love and someone else needs explaining over and over again before they get it. And actually, um, it's really been significant in my life. And every time I've had somebody working below me, I've bought them the book. So I've bought the One Minute Manager book maybe 10 times in my life for other people. I've sat down with them, I've explained what the book is, and then I've said, right, here's the book for you. One day, give it to someone else. So then I've passed out these One Minute Manager books. Because in my mind, and this is jumping on, um, you can have a real impact in people's lives by doing little things like that. And by taking 10, 15 minutes to talk to someone and try and influence which way their their life goes. So, So yeah, and... There's only been of maybe the 10 people I've given this book to. There's maybe one or two who haven't read it and haven't soaked in yeah. the opportunity. Who are of, open to it. Yeah. yeah. You know, generally people have been like really receptive and passed it on. Or um, What's the best thing from that book that you can remember? What's the one thing that you remember the most from that book? Understanding that everyone's different. Yeah. You know, I really, really am acutely aware that what I need to do with you to get the best out of you is totally different to what I've got to do to you. And yeah. and I think I take it everywhere in life with me, you know. So I'm really, really aware of, of having to almost think and work, you know. I'm thinking about with other, pe- other people's personal development. Mm-hmm. I don't mean in day-to-day life, mm. but as a manager, I spend a lot of time thinking about other people's personal development. Because you can apply that to everything, can't you? Friendships, relationships, yeah. si- any situation, uh-huh. and take from that. A hundred percent. Yeah, a hundred percent. It's just being aware and understanding and actually caring to understand people, yeah. really. And taking that time that yeah. everybody is actually different. Yeah. So then going back to Sofa, um, a couple of years passed. So now I was there for maybe two and a half years. And um, Sasha started Warehouse Project at Boddington in 2006 with his business partners at the time. And um, basically I said, can I try and do both? So, Sofa and warehouse yeah. projects, are you crazy? Typical I just gimmick. wanted to do well, <laughs> I wanted the challenge and it's like life kept, these opportunities kept popping up and I just yeah. wanted them. So um, Sash said, well, I've already got a GM for warehouse projects, but you can you can be assistant. And I was very good at, um, I've always been a geek, I've always had like a flip chart or a pad yeah. in my hand or a clipboard, yeah. you know, making lists, rotors, whatever. Post-it notes. Yeah, post-its everywhere. Um so Sasha said, you'll be a great support to the GM for, for warehouse projects. So um, what would happen? I would do the planning in the week. So I'd do the rotors. I'd put all the rotors up in sofa for Boddington's. I'd have, a, I'd have a phone. I'd text all the staff. I'd do all the rounding up of the staff. I'd do all the orders. And then I just supported the GM. So then the GM would do all the opening and closing of the venue. And I'd get in my car when I'd lock up sofa at 11 and, I, and I'd bomb it down the road to Boddington's. And that drive, I'll never forget because the nerves that I had, it was this huge, huge thing. And I was this like really young girl. Yeah. Who'd, the, how, old, how old were you at the time? 21, 22. Yeah. The, the, you know, the most serious thing that I'd ever done was talk to the police at the door of sofa, which to mm-hmm. some people might sound serious, but it wasn't huge. It was just this little venue. Um, and I get in the car and I drive to Boddington's and I was so nervous and I'd go up Princess Parkway right round to Boddington's which is next to where the MEN yeah. is um, and and I'd just be absolutely terrified and I'd park my car up and I'd walk in past all the police past all the security and it was just 
immense. I'd Did never you get experienced that feeling it every time for years. Yeah, it took years to go. So um, just the nerves of the the excitement. It's killed that one. Yeah, but once I was in there and focused and working, it was fine. You know, that was Fridays, and then I'd take every Saturday night off sofa and I'd do the whole of Saturday. Then after Boddington's, that all went fine. Three months, it was amazing, absolutely brilliant. Um, and then 2007, the Easter of, so a few months after we finished Boddington's, the GM for Warehouse had to leave on family reasons, compassionate reasons, and I was there. And I'd done all the running of Boddington's with him in 2006, so I just stepped up and said, right, well, I'll leave Sofa and I'll do, I'll do Warehouse Projects. And then, 21? Yeah. And I was GM for Warehouse Project and just, again, worked my socks off, you know. Yes, yeah, And it was amazing. And I, to be honest, I was lucky because I, I was never on my own. Sash was always helping yeah. and Jason was helping. Yeah. I had safety nets, you know. They would pick up any time I fell, you know. So yeah. I've always been surrounded by amazing people. Good people around you. Yeah, and then the years just passed. And then 2009, we were invited. Um, well, the, the guys that own Kendall Calling um, came to the office and said, would you partner up with us on Kendall Calling? We want to take to the next level. So we became shareholders in Kendall Calling and did that for nine years. In the year after that, 2010, we came up with the idea of Part Life, um, started Part Life, which at the time was the biggest challenge of my life, it felt like, because mm-hmm. I had to oversee kind of the bars, uh, which which encompasses the staff, logistics. Talk to me about how, how do you come up with an idea? Well, how do you come up with an idea like Part Life? Well, it's Sasha and his business partners. Yeah. So they're the creatives. Yeah, they yeah, come up yeah. with the amazing yeah, ideas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I'm the logistical person in the team who yeah. then, along with other logistical people, so um, I'm like the logistics inside Warehouse yeah. Project. It's yeah. a company called um, Ground Control who yeah. are like our sister company and that they're all operational. So they book the stages, do all the big logistics and then I do staffing, bars, beer, anything license related, everything that falls yeah. into that side of it. So, so they, what, what they just drop, I've got this great idea called Part Life. We're I'm just sat around a table. Yeah. Love shit it's happened loads. Love that. It's the most amazing place to be. Yeah. So we'll be sat in the office in the boardroom in 2010 um, and Sash and Sam and, you know, Sash and Sam, basically associated partners, would say, we've got an idea. We're going to do this festival. We're thinking about calling it Part Life. And I would always be amazed at where they came up with the names because I'm not very good Mm. at things like making up names. Um, And then we'd go, right, well, we'll meet next week. We'll meet next week and we'll come up with a plan. And then we would literally sit around a boardroom. There'd be myself, Sash, Sam, um, two or three other people who are within our kind of friends and family of festival organizing but the time we weren't festival organizers and we go right where do we start right we need the site plan so uh, john the guy who oversees everything kind of from a production perspective for us john would speak to the council get a site plan then we'd find out if there's a license then we go right who's going to do what and we'd kind of at the time we just divvied up the jobs and my job was to deal with everything bars related so it was twenty thousand people the first year so i think it was something like 15 bars 500 staff um it was huge and I think the first one was at Platfields wasn't it was at Platfields Park I went to the very first did you ever did you enjoy it life. incredible it was yeah. incredible wasn't it just made closer to mine when we came so I um, I took three months off or two I think it was two and a half months off because everything was in my head and I knew my role I had a lot to do but I couldn't do it with any distractions so I said to Sasha I'm going to have to work from home for two and a half months leading to part life everything will be fine but I've I need every minute of every day. So yeah. I'd wake up first thing in the morning at like seven o'clock in my pajamas. I'd go mm. to my coffee table 
and I would on my dining table and I would just stay there until I went to bed and I did that for two and a half months and I just went through the thought process of mm. right what needs to happen I'll start a right okay well we've got the site where do the bars need to go we had like something about 250 meters of bars so I worked out big bars here big bars here then what do you need I need to fill them what do I need to film with and I just followed a mental process and every day something else would present itself was the next step that I had to do mm. and I kid you not half the really good work I did was in my sleep so my brain was so active during this period there must have been a period of maybe an hour or so when I was in half sleep in the morning and I would plan difficult tasks yeah. and I'd wake up and I'd know what to do yeah then I'd go down and just write it all out that's mostly what I do to be honest do you? when I come up with creative ideas sometimes I'm working it that long I get stuck so yeah. I, I call it the overnight test. Mm-hmm. And what I do is, because you, when you go to sleep, it shunts, it shuts the front cortex down and actually lets your brain do it. So when you wake up, you're actually more clear and you've actually gone through the process. It's incredible. Without it stopping you, yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's incredible. Yeah. Um, and then the moment we got to park life and everything was fine and my plans had all come together and the sun, would, I don't know if you remember, Kay, the weather was amazing. It was incredible Yeah, for the first weekend. It's like I walked around drunk. Obviously, I wasn't drunk, but I was so, I was so happy that mm. it, had come, it all worked out. You know, it was just incredible. And then the years kind of rolled on. We did warehouse in the winter, park life in the summer. And in those early years, we had a bit of time off, so... January would be like, well, do what you want in January because there's nothing much going on. The whole industry closes down. February, March, we start planning. By the end of March, we're full on park life. We do park life. We'd have Kendall in end of July and then a bit of time to relax and then warehouse in the winter. So our years kind of passed in a really nice way. You know, it's all project work. Warehouse is a three-month project. Park life is kind of a two-and-a-half, three-month project with a planning. Mm-hmm. Um, and... Then as the years passed, we the same process happened several times, you know, be called into the boardroom and Sash and Sam and whoever have come up with an idea to start a festival in Croatia. A hideout they started with the, some other partners from Leeds. So they were like, we've come up with this idea. We're going to call it Hideout. And Love again, that. I was like, where did they get the name from? Yeah, it's good that, right? Yeah. Anyway, right, we're off next month. We're going to go and in, investigate an island called Pag for Hideout. So I was like, great, this is like tourism from uni. Yeah. And I was tasked with um, keep making notes and whilst we were there, um, just pulling everything together and coming up with some conclusions and yeah. whatever. So we took the really long flights over to the island of Pag, which was actually, I think it was a, like an eight hour flight to Zagreb, then a, however many hours flight to Zadar or vice versa. And then a long drive to get to Pag. And it's much more accessible now. Um, and we had like four days with some tour operators who just took us round the island of Pag and we met with some venue owners. And it was all quite, it was all quite funny at the time because we, um, the island of Pag had never been, hadn't had much going on at the time um, with tourism. It had a little bit, because I think there was another festival which had kind of been over there for a while, but nothing large scale. Mm-hmm. So none of the roads had street names. The infrastructure was not set up for any sort of mass invasion of tourists. But you're um, loving the challenge. I can oh, see it in your amazing. eyes. Yeah. It was amazing. And we met with the venue owners. So there was loads of venues on the beach in Pag. Um, and um, it was funny. It was a bit like something out of a gangster film. So um, because I didn't have to run the bars out there because the venues were on the beach. So we went to meet for the first time, the club owners, and there was a drained swimming pool and they put deck chairs in this drained swimming pool and we had to go and sit in it 
and like all on these, no, it wasn't deck chairs. It was plastic chairs all sit in a circle on these plastic chairs in this empty swimming pool. Like, hi, this is who we are. And they were like proper flexing. Like, well, we're the guys that own the place and we know the, you know, it was like, it was Holy something shit. like out of a film. Um, like a sort of um, lower end casino. Or yeah. Something. <laughs> <laughs> um, but actually the relationship went really well. Yeah. Um, but it was interesting because like the first year the island just was not prepared for it so we had coach loads of customers coming and then we would try and get them to there that what there weren't many hotels so all the locals would rent out their room so it'd be like a family would say we've got a two two bed accommodation in our house for whichever tourist wants to come so one of our customers would then we'd try and get them there but there were no street names and no house numbers so that in itself was a challenge and then sometimes they'd get to the house and it was like there's a single mattress in the kitchen of a family home and these Brits are like what I'm sleeping on that <laughs> I love how your skill set has literally just come together yeah. into one mm. single role and you pretty the much th- made it your own haven't you the yeah. thing well, is yeah, you, you've incredible. actually um, when I've talked to you a few times and stuff um, you've actually started out as an introvert but you've, a- mm, you've actually yeah. become an amp I think it's called an ampervert, isn't it? What is that? It's actually the mixture of an extrovert and an introvert, but oh. you, you're more on the scale of introvert, but yes. you've actually brought yourself to extrovert to actually yeah. direct people and actually become... Yeah, yeah. And I think in any organisation, more peop- they need more people like that. But it's been hard. It's been yeah. hard work. Because you have know? to come out of your shell and kind of... Something that's not yeah you know natural to yeah. you. It takes a long time as yeah. well. Um, I'm sure that's right, ampervert. Is that the right, Kay? I don't know, it sounds like you're saying that she's a pervert. <laughs> well, she's that as well. Well, I am I as well, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm going to... Um, as some people will I'm know. I'm sure it's ampervert. I'm having making it up, but... Yeah, there's, there's a... It's there's the borderline. It's the borderline, yeah. kind so of like... Somebody who's an introvert has actually, you know, come out the shell and kind of... You know what I mean? But for me, that really, they, they make the best leaders, mate. Yeah, Because they're more logistic. And I love people and they're who more compassionate. sit with a bug and they, they, they need their own... Because I'm like that. Right. I need my own office to do my own creative space and then then take it into people. So. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You yeah. need to be sure But I'm, I'm, I think I'm a bit more extrovert than the other Are way. You? So you're probably sort of kind of balance each other out kind yeah. of thing in a way. So. <laughs> the actual... But Sasha's probably like that, isn't he? Yeah, he is. That's why he probably works so. so well yeah. with him. Yeah, yeah. The, the actual, actual term is amb- amb- ambivert. There you go. Mm. And it's people that are truly in the middle of the introversion slash extroversion spectrum. That's you, kid. And you <laughs> express qualities and behaviours of both. Yeah. Depending Excellent. on the situation. Yeah, so you're adaptable. You. So then... Um, it all went fine, uh, but it's like going back to hideout. There were other interesting things, like um, the cash machines all ran out of cash within the first hour of everybody getting there because there just wasn't enough cash on the end. They'd completely under underestimated. So we were as a festival organisation, like, oh my god, we've got thousands. I think it was like two thousand people the first year. Two thousand people here and with no money. No one can buy drinks. That actually happened, you know, at like eight pm on the Friday night. I can't remember what we did to solve it, but anyway, life went on and everything was fine. And then the next morning, they filled the cash machines up and everything was okay. Um, But other funny scenarios were, um, which again is interesting with my tourism management head on. Um, There were only eight taxi drivers for the whole island. And there was like taxi wars. They wouldn't let any taxis from the outside come onto the island because they were like, this is our patch. This is God. 2,000 people with eight taxi drivers (laughs) for the whole thing. It was just a nightmare. What did you do? I can't remember. Everyone started to walk. Everyone struggled. Old school. Everyone just walked. <laughs> swam. Yeah, swam. But it worked out fine, you know. And then as the years have gone on, everything's just perfected, you know. So yeah. 
and that's it, you know. It's, what were some of the maddest things that you've seen over your time doing part life and hideout? What's the, what's the maddest things that you've seen? Because um, obviously you're there when it's all happening, aren't you? Yeah, I've, never, I've never been to one. I've never been to any. No, I've not been to any of them. Um, so I always wonder what it was like. I've heard stories from people, mm. but from your point of view, what's what's the maddest? Cause uh, and obviously there's people nicking stuff and that. And well, we've never had much of a problem with theft. Really? Actually, the maddest things... I don't know if mad's the right term, but for me, what has been most significant is just being involved in these amazing shows. Mm-hmm. You know, they're incredible. So Warehouse Project produces the most cutting edge, cutting edge amazing shows. The lights, yeah. the sound, the customers, the vibe, the DJs. And I've been doing it since it began. So like 12, I think we're on 12 years now. Um, and every single night I'll spend half an hour right in the thick of the crowd on my own often <laughs> right at the front just soaking it up because yeah. it's incredible and i've seen some amazing people like faithless was incredible um niall rogers was amazing we had Khalees on stage and some artists in store street which is really small some artists have just got an amazing stage presence um just being part of that you know is enough to keep me awake sometimes at night just thinking about how lucky i am you know because it's just incredible and park life park life's just been massive i mean I can't say I've been involved in too many random situations with park life um, mm. because being logistics, I'm always busy. So like, I don't really get involved with the artists. Again, mm. maybe being part of the introvert side yeah. of me. Yeah. I don't really like hanging out with yeah. the cool kids. Yeah. You know, I'm more like, oh, I'll go and count some beer. Yeah. Um, but um, so I'm always very, very operational with that. But um, yeah, it's just been hard work, park life. The, one of the crazy situations from my side with park life um is the problem solving that we sometimes got to come up with. Um, And there was one particular year when Jason, my good friend, uh, he, after Sofa, he ended up working for us doing various roles. And at the time, one of his roles on this particular year was to um, deal with the change for the whole festival. And this is when the festival was at maybe 35,000 capacity. It was big. Um, And it was like four o'clock on the Saturday and we'd pretty much run out of change. This might not sound like a big deal to, to you it's guys. It's something you don't think about. Just like, <laughs> that was, like, I worked in a restaurant for 11 years. That is a big deal. It's a big deal. <laughs> Tens of thousands of people. And we had people counting coppers. We had, I mean, we needed hundreds of thousands of pounds in change, like hundreds of thousands to get through the weekend. And we had people counting coppers. You know, it was like, and sitting around a table. And actually, this is where I realized one of my fortes. This was like a turning point for me. All these incredible people around me, business people and very, you know, experienced people in, in our world just couldn't work out what to do. And I straight away just came up with some solutions, some action plans, yeah. things we'd change, pricing structures we could change on the bar. Like we'll just do two for a tenner. And, and I just found it so easy to come up with solutions. Yeah. And, and everybody else was like, we're fucked. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah, no, it's fine. What are we going to, what are we going to do? You know, and yeah. it was like a great moment for me yeah, to be able cool. to go, I've got the, I've got solutions. Yeah, yeah. Here's 10 things we're going to do, mm. you know? And after that, whenever there was a problem, I was like, hang on, I've got this. <laughs> Give so me five up, minutes. Up until that, because what I want to know is up until that job role, was that a part of your personality that you embraced that like your friends knew about that you knew, okay, I am a problem solver. I'm logistics. I am. No, because I was always just struggling to do really well. Mm-hmm. You know, I was always trying hard to do really well. And I never thought I was as good as I wanted to be. You know, I was always like, you know, I'm, I'm doing all right, but I'm nowhere near as good as I should be. Or yeah. I'm nowhere near as good as the people around me. Like, 
these people I'm surrounded with, they're extremely talented and whatever, and I'm a million miles from that. But that that was a turning point for me. Where that I suddenly was like thought, spurring on. Oh, I'm pretty good at this. And then from that moment on, every time when there's a problem, people's minds close. I don't mm. know if you've realised, mm. but their minds close, and it's like there's a door, and it's like oh, I can't do this. this. Is something's happened, and I can't work it out, or there's no solution. And it seems to me to be a very very common problem when there's a problem. People, a lot of people's brains just it's done yeah. can't there's no way around it so at that point i kick that kicks in my brain so yeah. straight away i'm like come up with the solutions just I'll come up with it. a number of solutions because i feel like i've just found the key i feel like there's a key mm-hmm. to unlock that door mm-hmm. and a lot of people haven't realized it's just a key to just overriding the problem yeah yeah mindfulness comes into play there though doesn't it do you in think the, so? yeah, i definitely mm. i think um it's fighting that fear i, I mean i've talked i've talked to you about the chimp paradox before that yeah. everybody's got this chimp par- and you've got either a fight or flight in you and i feel like when some problems happen there's some people either run away some yeah. people fight or there's some people that just kind of go you know what let's just have a little couple of steps back let's have a think how we can do this yeah um and i think you know you found that key yeah that's a kind of go you know what we don't need to panic yeah we so don't there's always to, solutions yeah. there's always an answer you know yeah. and i find it interesting now even when i'm in meetings and someone says oh well this can't happen because of this and i'm like well that's just our next challenge you know mm-hmm. we just we just need to find the answer um and then yeah another really interesting thing for me was victoria warehouse it's a huge venue that we moved to in 2012 um and is it is this where Warehouse Projects is now, is it? No, we were only there for two years, 2012, right, 2013. So oh, okay. Yeah, so we went from Boddington's to Store Street, which was like 2,000 people a night. Store Street is underneath Piccadilly? Yeah. yeah. And then from there you've moved to Victoria Warehouse? Yeah, in 2012. Yeah. And um, we were there for two years and we helped the landlord of the time develop what was, I think, an old mill into... In a venue. Yeah. So I remember. Yeah. Because yeah. Yeah, they do boxing events and all they sorts, do. don't they? Don't yeah. They? So we advised on knocking pillars out and um, where to put speakers and to soundproof the roof and where to put the fire exit doors. And it was a huge, you know, multi-million pound project. And we helped turn that into a venue. And I was, um, I was DPS for the venue, I think vaguely remember i'm pretty sure i was just tell what dps is for designated everybody. premises supervisor which means i'm i'm the overall i was dps actually i'm the overall responsible person yeah so whatever happens in that licensed premises it's my responsibility your mm-hmm. fault yeah <laughs> so um that was again my next huge challenge so i'd done sofa yeah then we started warehouse the nerves kicking in for warehouse i finally got used to that then we started part life which yeah. again was like ramp the nerves right up get used to that and then we start Victoria Warehouse and for me that was a big step up because I wasn't really under anyone's wing at that point like I had to go for meetings with the council and I still had people around me like Sasha and John and Jason and whatever but I was kind of much more in the forefront at Victoria and um, that was 5,000 people a night so at any point Kimmy did you feel anxious yeah yeah with the pressure yeah I mean I was always a little bit anxious you know I kind of suffered with anxiety a little bit growing up through my career but when I came out of Victoria Warehouse I had big problems with anxiety really just because of the pressure I was under at Victoria um but yeah it really started with the pressure of Victoria Warehouse just I remember on one particular day um and I'd always had like I said I always have a backup so I always had like Jason or Sash or John who's from the production company Ground Control I had somebody helping and then sometimes I find myself in situations where I would prepare Victoria 
where I'd just be like, this is intense. So I remember one particular day, a guy, head of the count, Trafford Council, was like, can you meet me? Um, I want to do a walk around. And I still felt so young, really, mm. you know. And how old were you then? Uh, 27, something oh, yeah. like that, 28, I think. Um, yeah, about 28. And I turn up, and I felt inexperienced as well, really. And I wasn't, but I felt it. Yeah. And I, just in the last minute, I took one of my staff, my assistant at the time called Johnny, who's a very good friend of mine as well. Um, I said, just come to this meeting with me. I'm meeting this guy. And like, I got there and there's like 15 people, like all serious suited and booted counsellors, mm. authorities, environmental health, licensing. It's like the whole of Trafford's authorities had come to meet me to do this walk around and they wanted to know everything about the venue. And I was thinking, oh my God, yeah. I don't know. You're also intimidating. And I, I was just so relieved. And I, it was fine. I took them all around and got yeah. on well with them and I answered all their questions. And the, one that, the ones that I couldn't answer, which were technical about sound maybe or whatever, I just rolled with it and took notes and said, we'll deal with it. Mm. But from then on, those two years were intense. Yeah. It's like 5,000 people approaching a venue is like a tide. I don't know if you've ever seen it. Mm-hmm. And with our nature of events, so um, late night, music, raves, it's got to be very, very legit. So yeah. to, we had to do huge queuing lanes. Um, and these 5,000 people would descend on Trafford and the entire streets were like a sea. It's all I can explain to you, crowds, it's like a sea of people because we're not talking like small scale house no. party here this is huge big. yeah it's yeah. massive yeah. Where else, yeah, yeah yeah we're talking thousands of people you've got to get them in well you've got to get you to get them in well this is the thing so you have to get them into a queuing system then all of them have got to go through a, like a barrier of security who asks them a series of questions like who are you where you, have you got any idea where have you come from blah 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 then you go through like a like a Big open space. I'd have to draw it, really. Big open space with loads of sniffer dogs and GP dogs. And a GP dog, basically, is a dog that barks really loud and is intimidating. So, you, so all GP the GP dog, I've never heard of that. General purpose dog. Really? Yeah. Okay. Really angry Alsatians, basically. Right. So all our customers would have to get into this massive queue of thousands Why? of people. Because of organised crime right. and, and drug use. Okay. So basically... Um, that, uh, the, the purpose of that dog is to bark viciously. To get rid of people like gangs. Oh, right. yeah, the trains to bark viciously. And if the handler says, right, go for that person, right. they act aggressively towards that person. So are these people walking in, these dogs barking at them? Yeah. It was very intense. Holy it's sh- a good deterrent. It's a good deterrent. No, and we'd only have right then and there. But we'd only have them. For that, we'd there? only have them on certain nights. So uh-huh. if it was a night where we'd have, we'd worry about big gangs of lads, yeah. trouble, you know. That right. sort of thing. So, so they just know before on they walk in. Listen. On certain nights, we'd have the dog as, as, a, as an intimidation and support right, thing. Right, okay. And it would only be used if, let's say, a group of lads try and intimidate the door staff or try and rush the door. Then Which, the GP what dog... we're talking, happened quite frequently. No, hardly ever. Right, but okay. the dog was there as yeah. a deterrent and people are put off by GP dogs. Yeah. So it's, it's sometimes just there just to say, yeah, don't... Just listen. Yeah. We've got a good setup. But we always had police on the door as well. Yeah. Um, so these thousands of people would approach. We also, there was a problem with um, phone thieves coming from wherever in Europe, you know, all around Europe, coming to Manchester. That was their job, just to nick yeah. people's organised crime. Yeah, big time. So we'd have some nights where 50, 60 phones would be stolen within the space of a couple of hours. So along with the head of police for Trafford at the time, which was a guy called Simon Collister, who's a really good friend of ours now. We've stayed friends all this time. Um, we came up with this big plan so all these thousands of people would queue up. They'd get to the front line, which is the front line of security. And then they'd say, the security would say, who are you here with? 
And if they couldn't answer a series of simple questions, which is like a police method for interrogation, they'd be then asked to go to one side and go to a kind of... Um, GP dog. No. <laughs> to like um, like further questioning tent. Right. So if they couldn't say, he here with, I'm here with this guy, and he here to see Sven Vath. Yeah. Right. How did you get here on the train? Where's your train ticket? If they couldn't answer these basic questions they'd go for further questioning quite often they were uh, phone thieves who'd just come they couldn't answer any of the questions didn't know how they'd got there they weren't sure who was on just mm-hmm. a couple nick phones yeah because you think every single person in that room is going to have the phone out yeah they've been drinking yeah it's prime yeah prime opportunity so that was a huge thing and there was the entry going past the dogs the searches and then you were in at which point we felt like right we've vetted as much as possible and we've got people in but that was just such a huge operation. I mean, for my career, that was incredible. You know, we had a growth. Yeah, we had a huge, every single Friday and Saturday night, I'd have to be present for a, a big briefing with the police, with security, oh. with the medics, everyone, all the serious people at work, we'd all turn up at seven and we'd plan the night and we'd run it, it'd be amazing. And then we'd go inside the venue and um, we'd have these huge shows. And it was like, the shows were incredible. The speakers were louder than I've ever heard. Like it was like being in space. Mm-hmm. Like the all the light, the lighting rig hanging from the roof was like the best you'd ever seen. And it was just these incredible moments that I'll never forget. Basically, but what part of that journey do you relax? Never. <laughs> A Sunday. You can't. Sunday afternoon. What point do you, yeah. you enjoy that? You can't okay. really enjoy the show. There's nothing that you um, that you can. St- mm-hmm actually stand there and watch i get half an hour i give myself half an hour at every show to enjoy it to soak it up and i make sure i do that because that's why we go through all this hard work you know and stress so you just stood there on your own just kind of going yeah or i'll take someone yeah i'll say do you want to come for half an hour we'll just go and watch the show but sometimes i don't even care if anyone comes i'll just go on my own um and just soak it up because it's like that's why we go through it you know and it's amazing and these are my memories actually so my memories a lot of my good memories of warehouse and park well not park life because i don't get much time to enjoy park life but warehouse certainly those half hour memories are quite often my what's the best one uh well faithless I'll never forget. But at Victoria Warehouse, one of the best moments was Major Laser. Have you heard of Major Laser? Yes. So Major Laser was um, absolutely incredible. He had the whole of the main room, which was like a couple of thousand people, with their tops off, even the girls, swinging them around the heads. Then he was like, everyone was like running to the left, everyone was running to the right. For me, Operation, there was like, oh my God, there's thousands of people running to the left. Like, But it, it was all fine. Um, he had girls twerking on stage in thongs. He had people... Fighting fancy dress, it was just amazing, you know. That sounds really cool. Just some incredible moments, you know. Yeah. Fat Boy Slim, incredible. Always a really good performance. Um, yeah. We had Orbital, uh, Nile Rogers and Chic, just some really, really good shows. See, David Rodigan always pulls it out of the bag for He's me. amazing. David I've Rodigan is amazing. I've seen him in Croatia, I've seen him in Manchester. Have you? Do you incredible. Know, do you ever watch Chase and Stasis? Yes. So that was good. my first warehouse project. So good. And David Rodigan actually was there. Yeah, he will Chase have been. And yeah. were um, another one of my absolute favourite moments at Victoria Warehouse was a band called Magnetic Man. Yes. It was so amazing. You two are a bit cooler than me. Yeah. <laughs> I just walked around in a bubble. <laughs> it was really good. Prodigy, amazing. Oh, yeah. Amazing. I imagine Prodigy would be pretty insane. Yeah. 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 So it's all been a really exciting journey. And just this little blonde introvert girl who yeah. used to like read her books, he's running it yeah. all. Yeah, I still read my books. Yeah, good. I still love reading. <laughs> um, so 
So yeah, for me, um, I came out of Victoria Warehouse. Again, still, when I was at Victoria, I wasn't massively into fitness. Yeah. Um, and I came out of Victoria Warehouse with some really bad anxiety problems because we had a talk, lot of talk, talk to me about them. Talk to, you know, I know I love stuff like this. And to <laughs> talk to me about the anxiety and stuff like that and how you were dealing with it and so, um, you weren't dealing with it. So basically, the reason why I am the way I am today is because I've had really bad anxiety problems and it's made me really strong, which I'm surprised at myself, but I've, I can pat myself on the back because I've worked really, really hard. Um, so... So Victoria was there for two years. It was really stressful. We had all sorts of stressful things going on. And being the responsible person, it kind of all felt, I felt the pressure on my shoulders. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and it kind of started coming to a bit of a head towards the end of the second season. And I'd start having panic attacks at Victoria Warehouse, which nobody knew about apart from Sash. But everything would start being really loud. So I'd, I'd feel stressed at work. And suddenly I'd, it sounded like everyone was banging doors everywhere and shouting and stuff. And I remember... One particular night, I was in the courtyard and it was packed. And I rang Sash and said, I'm just by the toilets. You're going to have to come and get me because something's wrong. Like, everyone's shouting, everyone's banging doors. And I just, you're going to have to come and get me. So he was at the other side of the, the building. He came, got me, came and sat me down at the venue next door. And I was just like, I'd had like a massive panic attack. Like, I was like, why is everyone shouting? What's going on? And he was like, it's fine. There's no one shouting. Don't worry. You just have had a bit of a panic attack. Um, and then... We left Victoria Warehouse and then just the 12 months following that, it just seems to deteriorate. So I just kind of allowed myself to be anxious. Yeah. Kind of took over without me realising. Maybe I drank a bit too much wine in the evenings. Suddenly, little by little without realising, I stopped going out. Um, I stopped socialising. Coffees with friends would become more and more infrequent. Um, and it got to the point where I didn't go out at all. I didn't see anyone. Um and I just unraveled into this really bad state of panic and yeah. anxiety. So I eventually went to a doctor about it because I started getting all sorts of weird symptoms. I didn't know what they were. So I, like, I didn't realize I had a bad problem at the time. Um, but I got a really bad lump in my throat yeah. and I didn't know what it was. Mm-hmm. And I started coming out in rashes. So I went to the doctors and she was like, well, don't worry about it. It's probably yeah. something or nothing. And then I thought, it's definitely not right. So I went to a holistic therapist in Didsbury um, who did allergy testing and I thought well I don't know what this rash is but I'm obviously allergic to something which it turns out now I am but at the time it wasn't an allergy and she said well the lump in your throat and the rash is a stress she was like tell me what's going on and all of a sudden it all poured out I was like well I'm really stressed and you know I don't like going out and I feel anxious all the time and I'm panicked a lot of the time um it's hard to bring to mind examples right now mm-hmm. of my panic I can give you some examples actually I feel like you can dying. imagine yeah yeah. You could be, be dramatic on here. Right. <laughs> so the social anxiety, bearing in mind, I'd always been surrounded by friends and I'd love going out and I love people. Yeah. I couldn't go to the supermarket anymore. I didn't dare go to the supermarket in case I saw someone that I knew. Yeah. I wouldn't dare drive down my road because I'd be terrified of seeing someone. I didn't like giving people eye contact. And all this just unraveled. I'd unraveled into this situation without even realising. Dinner parties, I'd get really stressed out. Um any sort of social occasion I'd worry for like two weeks leading up to it and I'd cry I would lose sleep that week and I'd cancel what was it you were worrying about do you think what would you what would you say because what subconsciously was you're detaching yourself from everything that's yeah. normal and everything that you knew I, I did a similar thing working in retail mm. did you after the years and it slowly kind of you know oh I can't come for a coffee because yeah. 
and busy and yeah. you just stay in your room where you knew it was your safe place. Yes. Yeah. I, I, mentally, I couldn't handle the stress of a social situation. It's right. called social anxiety. Yeah. I just could not handle the thought of having to interact. It's like I couldn't physically perform social engagement and I've become terrified of having to try. Also, we've got to remember is that you are an introvert and these situations don't come normal to you uh, yeah. as well as plus this on top of yeah. it. Yeah, so um, so yeah, and I just panic, and it became it started to get really bad at work. Yeah. So um, this was the worst. I'd have to go to meetings, and I'd dose up on calms. You know, calms you can get yeah. from boots. Yeah. I'd dose up on them and go for my meetings, and I'd be so anxious all the way through. I couldn't breathe half the time. Um, I often get through, but it was really difficult. Were you talking to anybody at the time about it, or were you just kind no, of suffered in silence? I suffered in silence. Right. Um, and Sasha knew. I told Sasha all about it, and he was amazing. He was really, really supportive. I tried all sorts of stuff. I went for um, massage, acupressure massage, and yeah. other holistic things. But anyway, going back to it, um, I yeah, another example would be so at work. Um, I'd go into boardroom meetings and I'd be terrified of them. And again, I would have spent a whole week fearful of this meeting because I knew I can't control my anxieties and my panic and I'm going to walk into this room and I'll feel trapped. And it was a bit like claustrophobia as well. Mm. So I'd be in a meeting and I'd be trapped and suddenly I'd stop breathing and I'd have to try and get through this meeting without anyone knowing. Couldn't breathe. And it's like someone would try and talk to me and I had no breath. I, like It was literally like dying. And quite often I'd have to text someone to come and get me out of the meeting. So I'd text like Johnny, my assistant, or I'd text Sash and they'd find an excuse and get me out. And it was just horrendous. Wow. It was like no way of living. Um, and so it got, to this, it got to the point where I went to the doctor and um, she was like, fill out this form, so fill out this form. And she's like, right, you need to see, you can either go on tablets or you can see a cognitive therapist. Fuck the tablets. Yeah, well, that's what I thought. You know, they do help some people. Yeah. They do help some people. But I was just like, well, I'll try the cognitive therapy. And it was the most incredible experience I've ever had. Like, cool. I absolutely loved it. But I didn't at first. Like, the first... Well, talk us through what happened to people. So, basically, I went to see this woman at the doctor, a cognitive therapist, and she was like, I had to fill out the form, and it's got numbers on it, so it's like... If you answer the, all these questions, if you come up with a score less than 10, let's say, you have mm -hmm. serious problems. And it would highlight certain areas like, how do you feel about going out for a coffee with friends? And I'd put one, like, I definitely don't want to go. And then we'd work on that. So she would set me homework each week. So she'd be like, right, I'm going to see you again in two weeks' time. And I need you to do... I need So I just do a list. Um, the easiest thing for me to do, but causes me a bit of anxiety, to the hardest thing causes me loads obviously the hardest thing was like standing up at work and doing a presentation the the first thing on my list was i can't give people eye contact and again this is all ridiculous for me because you know i don't know where all this has come from it's come out of nowhere mm. um so she was like right okay for the next two weeks i want you to work on the eye contact thing every time you go out in the street or you go for a jog or whatever you've got to tackle this um so you're running past one and you gotta go yeah <laughs> right in their eyes yeah <laughs> and you do it and do it and do it until it's easy yeah it's called um What's it called? Anyway, I've forgotten what it's called. But um, I did it until I couldn't do it, until I was fine with it. And then you move on to the next thing, which I think the next thing was going to the shop, going to the supermarket. So then um, I quite often I'd get there and just drive off. I couldn't do it. And then eventually, and it took quite a while, the supermarket thing, for some reason, um, 
I was fine with the supermarket. And then we get to the next one. And then it was things like, you've got to go for coffee with a friend. And I was like, no, I don't want to do it. Please don't make me. And she's like, you've got two weeks. You've got to do it. And she'd set me tasks. So it's like, before you go to the supermarket, you've got to fill a form out. So it was like, what is the task going to the supermarket? Why is it stressful? Well, I might see someone and I won't know what to say and I won't be able to breathe. And And then what's wrong with that? And then you've got to justify the whole problem. And then I would have tackled the problem on paper before I'd gone. So I'd do this before everything. And then afterwards I'd come back and go, how was the supermarket? Oh, it was fine, actually. How do you feel now? Yeah, I'm totally fine. You know, so I'd have to write everything down. Um, and and then it was the same for the coffee. You know, how do I feel before it? Awful, I want to cry, I don't want to go. I'm thinking about cancelling. What do you think is going to happen? Well, I'll be really uncomfortable. Well, is there anything wrong with that? Probably not. You know, and then I just work through it and... It all worked out fine, you know, an event, but this took, this took a year and a half. So I, I did this homework for a year and a half and it was a day-to-day task. So I was uncomfortable for a year and a half, basically, you know, um, eye contact, dinners, dinners was far down the line. Don't get me wrong. There was a lot of stuff before that, that had to do, but I worked really hard and I have a folder, which I've still got. And whenever, if ever I feel anxious now, which isn't very often, I go to my folder and I'll write I'll write out what my problem is. I'll do the problem, then I'll write it up after. Um, but I treated it like homework every single day, and it was difficult, and I struggled, and I cried all the time um, until it started getting easier. And then one day, I was like, and I never felt any success for the first year. And then after maybe the first year, I'd have a little success, and it was elating. It was like, oh my god, I feel all right. That was incredible. And I'd have then I'd be like so excited and happy, you know. Um, and then I have another little success. And these were the building blocks of my strength today. Mm-hmm. So going through that horrendous journey and the hard work that I had to put in the dedication um, and those small wins, when you start getting the small wins, you start getting better, you know. Um, and then let's say I had 10, 20 small wins. I start to feel a little bit more comfortable, a little bit less panicked about stuff and the problem starts to ebb away. Um, and... And then you start, I started realizing what I thought were nerves was actually excitement. So actually, I'm not nervous. I've mixed it all up. Every time, love that. Every time, yeah, through my that. anxiety, every time I th- was excited, I thought it was nerves, so I took calms. That's what I did. So I'd have these calms thinking, I'm really nervous. I need so to you're have... stopping yourself from getting excited. Yeah. And then I realized with these small wins, oh my God, I'm excited. I'm not nervous. Just enjoy it. And I had to re acknowledge what excitement felt like, like. Sort of that's rewiring a, yourself yeah, yeah. that's yeah. a big that's crazy dig, though, isn't it? yeah you've got to really dig deep to get that yeah, you have to that. dig deep yeah. yeah um can i just let me just ask you a question Kimmy? when you when you were little and stuff like that and you were in school could you see traits of your having this anxiety then mm. in social situations but never really dealt with it then yeah i mean i'd not had enough well Yes, I've always been an anxious person. Yeah. I've always leaned that way. Yeah. Um, but I'd not gone that far down. Nothing major had happened to me to make yeah. me fall into the depths of anxiety. Yeah. It's only the stresses of life that yeah. came came about that kind of pushed me that way. Yeah. But yeah, I've always, I suppose I've always, I'm quite delicate in one way. Yeah. That, you know, if I've, this strength that I've built, and I think it's the same for everyone, it's like a muscle, you know, and I think I've worked and worked and worked at it for years now. And I think I'm probably fairly robust yeah. and resilient. And I think if life yeah. throws things at me, I like to think I'm probably better equipped now to deal with it than I was, you know. 
because I think it's just something it's like it's like your muscles you know you can lift stuff once you've the more you lift the more you the easier it gets and I think that's the same with your strength of mind yeah so obviously in our line of work we see a lot of kind of and definitely this year um young entrepreneurs kind of very adventurous young people coming through that want their own business they want to you know jump in straight away quite high pressure roles yeah what would be the best bit of advice that you'd give those types of people to kind of stop them from going through that that you went through so that whole anxiety circle and the year and a half and what would what do you know now that you could go okay take this advice and maybe this will help um so apart from the journey that I've been through mm-hmm. what keeps me strong now is being happy um and doing something that I love so I treat I as you've seen on Instagram and everything else that I do um my personal happiness and enjoyment in life is really important that is I feel like that's topping me up resilience wise and I feel like mm-hmm. if I give could give people advice especially workaholics it's to have something to work out what they want to do what they enjoy in life and maybe treat that as seriously as work you know having something other than work because I think probably what pushed me down the the spiral of really bad anxiety was it was all encompassing work every it was everything everything that from my waking moment was thoughts of work and I didn't have anything else to focus on and I think Having something other than your one major focus, which is your business. or So having that detachment. Yeah, having a detachment, whether it's mindfulness. I really, really think that sports is a, a key to strong mental health. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you hear these amazing kind of COOs or, you know, business people around the world who are actually triathletes or Ironmen or Spartan athletes or whatever. Outside the suit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's because this other thing that they've got is equally important I think you've got to have something else which is just as important to you. You know, and I think working out what that is isn't always easy either. You know, I think sometimes people have got to work out what it is that makes them happy mm-hmm. and then do that as much as you want to do your other thing. And I'm pretty sure that I'm what makes me happy, which is gymnastics and having fun in sport, makes me better at my job. Would you say you've nailed that balance now? Yeah. Or are you still kind of... No, no. I mean the fitness side of my life and the fun side of my life doing tricking and learning you know new skills is just as important as my work life um I've got pretty good balance at the minute um when even when warehouse is on I prioritize my time you know because I know that if I don't there's a risk that I could end up Hmm. in a situation where my health isn't as good um so it depends if work takes you around the world and you don't have much time for yourself you've got to work out how to balance it maybe that's when you have to readjust a bit maybe reading a book is your thing or Mm -hmm. mindfulness is your thing so you can take it everywhere yeah but i think it's really really important to have something that makes you feel great i feel like laughing your head off is like medicine you know Mm. i've never laughed my head off as much as i do these days you know and feel like super excited all the time my friends must think I'm so annoying yeah. so I'm like excited all the time but I just feel like it's a tonic for your health yeah. so if you can work out what makes you feel like that I feel like that's the key yeah you've got a really good yes mentality about you which I like about you yeah, you kind of yeah. say yes to everything I imagine you two do as well though okay yeah. I found that we're I on the same to. page a lot yeah, yeah. definitely I think because what resonates with me massively with you Kimmy is exactly what you were saying there with your balance 
I'm probably about 60% there. Right. So I've still got that other 40% that I'm trying to... In what respect? Get that balance. So with the fitness, we shared the fitness side. So we've both kind of got the jobs that we love. And, you know, it's different people every day. It's different situations, scenarios, and all these incredible people that you meet and try and absorb so much from. Yeah. Um, I'm just trying to work that into a routine and get that routine that works for me. So okay. we started walking to work and instead of driving. Yeah. That's um, so nice. Coffees, um, you know, I'll limit my coffee intake. Right. Do you I'll have a lot? Spread three a day now. Right. Morning, afternoon, and then I'll try and have a cold coffee the right. back end of the day. But it's little things like that. So pretty much like what you do, taking things that work for people yeah. and trying them yourself and yeah. then saying, okay, so this I can add into my daily routine or, yeah. you know, that doesn't work so much for me, but at least you tried it. Yeah. And how do you find routine? Because routine makes me really happy. I love Structure routine. Structure I love. Mm. Me too. I really, yeah, I'm a lister. I'm a big batch of me. I've, yeah. I've just, I've, I've been doing it for, oh God, it must be about 10 years. What do you mean? Um, sort of, have you ever had a batching before? No. Oh, right, okay. Well, We're not talking about meal prep, are we? No. <laughs> no. Um, it, Please, it, I've had it, six months of that. It, Please, it, let's not go there. It, it's basically structure, but done like, say, for instance, I'll, I'll give you an example this morning. The first thing that I wake up in the morning, the first thing I do is bre- I do like organic breathing. Oh. So I set myself off where I shut my mind off before I start thinking about anything and get myself head straight. And then what we do is we try to learn something every single morning. So mm. I'll put a podcast on right. or I'll put a TED talk on. I have to learn something every single morning. Really? Like from this time to this time. What uh, times do you get up then and do this? We usually get up about six o'clock is yeah. our sweet spot. Um, and then obviously I do a bit of meditation, hydrate, and then we sit in front and then I'll, I'm, I can't really listen. I don't take things and listen. I'm quite a visual person. So I'll watch TED talk. Um, and it could be about the way people think or yeah. something like that, because I'm always interested in that. Yeah. Um, and then from then, what we do is we try to do um, exercise straight after that. So from this time to this time, I do exercise. Wow. And then from this time, so I've got points where I don't even touch my phone. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we I put that structure from Friday, Monday, Friday. So we do invoicing on a Monday. Yeah. Just on a Friday, then we chase them up. Yeah. On a Saturday, we just do that. So I've got times, in, and so it's batching. Obviously, things are going to go wrong. Some days don't work, but you don't worry about it. Yeah. You set your goal up, set your batching plan up, and then just go for it. That would work so well for me. I just feel like if there's two of you, though, you've got someone to do it with. It's important to have your own. Yeah, okay. Um, And Kay has her own time. I have my own time. That's so important. Okay. Just like, yeah, I can't be bothered right now. Yeah. I need to have my own time. It's not my, Mm -hmm. not me, my time with my breathing and my, it's it's for me. So So Tim, Tim will watch Ted. Yeah. I've got no interest in that. Right. Mm. I watch Evolve Theory. What's that? Which is, it's Tom Belayu or Billy R. I'm not quite sure how to say his surname. Tom Belayu. But he pretty much brings people from all over the world, all walks of life, Mm. um, that have a certain spin on life, on how they believe you should live it. Oh. Or what they think you should do Mm. to have a better life. So it's all these different people, all these different kind of ways of working and being and living and... It's incredible. Wow. So I'll take, a, you know, it might be a 45-minute podcast and I'll take 30 seconds yeah. from it. Well wow. that 30 seconds I'll try and apply. Yeah. yeah. So you give yourself two hours every morning of your own time. Mine's an hour. Right. And that includes... Tim will do That's all, all of it, everything. Yeah. yeah. Wow. 
Yeah, I need to. Important. I need that in my I can life. Help, I can help mm. you do that. Oh, I'd love that. Well, yes, please. We'll just. Well, I'll get um, one of my vinyls from the, my vinyl guy. I'll put Monday to Friday. Then we'll write it out together. Thank you. You mm. put it on, and obviously, if it goes, it goes. I would really I'll appreciate that. It, it, honestly, it's, it's yeah. sick. But one of the best things advice I can give to anybody is breathing. Even if it's five minutes a day, it's yeah, the, I'm not good at you, it. Right, I can teach you to do that Thanks. as well. <laughs> um, but yeah, breathing is my. I've, I've been doing it for years. Unknown to me, I've been doing proper organic breathing. Have you? Yeah, but it's only recently that I've actually learned how to do it properly, and it's changed my life. I I breathe really shallow. Right. Okay. It's very short, shallow yeah, breaths. Yeah. Well, there's loads. There's about five different um, organic techniques. So you just got to pick one which works for you. Right. Um, and then you just honestly you'll fly. I need to make notes of this before I leave today. Yeah, it's fine. <laughs> but we just you just you just come around every time. Just go for a walk or I'll just I'll teach you how to do some stuff. Yeah, great. Um, and I, when you when the guy comes, um, the yoga guy. Yeah. You know what's? Yes. Yeah. When he comes round, I'd like to come as well. That definitely, yeah. 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 Um, it's a shame you've not come on Friday because we do um, we do start doing a day spa now. Oh. So um, I've got a lady in that I'm working with, um, and we're doing a bit of a service for service thing um, where she's coming every month. She's setting up a spa in the studio. Wow. Then I'm going to give everybody a massage for an hour or half an hour. They pick what they want. This is the best place to work. I, I just <laughs> believe in everybody's wealth management. Yeah. Um, and not wealth, health management. I yeah. think, you know, wealth is something different. To, you know it's what we've talked about yeah. before it's, I think it's really important I completely agree yeah because people are so conscious about what they're putting in the mouths yeah they're not so conscious yeah. about what they're taking in through their ears yeah which I think sometimes is yeah. more important 100 yeah. percent. you know it's like you were saying earlier you are what you surround yourself with yeah you know Sasha's always taught me that you yeah. know you, you and it's like the things you listen to the things you watch like yeah. if you put all the right things around yourself mm. you, you know you can have great influence and if you do otherwise it can also mm. be really bad for you yeah and you'll, if you're lo- taking you'll, in, you'll, you'll love it. the breathing one you know yeah I, I think if i if i taught you that when you had your your, your worst anxiety that would have helped so much really that, yeah because it's the first thing people do in the morning is get up and worry yeah if I don't... you can start your day off right and get your saliva i'll talk to you about it another time yeah like, okay getting your saliva glowing and what your saliva does to actually when you produce it in your mouth really? the hormones it releases and stuff honestly it's, wow it, yeah it's amazing and that's an easy one, isn't it? You can just spend a bit of time mm-hmm. before yes. you do anything in Five the Five minutes, honestly. Yeah. I definitely need to know more yeah. about that. And I can't actually believe I don't know anything Kay's about doing it. it. You're doing a hell of a lot more now, aren't you? Yeah. Since I'm a, doing it now. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Since, <laughs> since her fitness preparation and stuff like that, since she's come off her fit and she started eating a bit differently, we can see the hormone change a yeah. little bit in your count. Because I'll be honest, since doing my fitness competition, I've been very anxious about food. Have yeah. you? And unbeknown to myself... You know, I I now look at food in a completely different way. So obviously with your training background, you'll know I don't look at, for example, fish, rice and veg as fish, rice and veg. It's 145 grams of protein, 22.5 grams of carbs, 15% fat. I'm the same. And I look at things as numbers and percentages as opposed to it's a plate of fish, rice and veg. Um, So I get quite anxious and without actually realizing, oh, you know, I know how many calories is in that. I also now know how many minutes I have to walk to burn it off. And it's not an obsessive thing with food. It's just I am now so aware of what I'm putting in my mouth and how it's going to make me feel. Yeah. So I can be thinking about what I'm having in the evening and I'll start... Really? breathing will start going. And it's the craziest thing. And I've never had that bad relationship with food. You know, know, I eat really well. I eat five, six times a day. And I eat good food. But for somebody... How do you pick it? 
it's breathing it's mindset and it's it's that awareness yeah and actually from my own experience you've got to challenge it yeah every time you feel anxious and you have a faulty thought because one thing that i learned through all my training to get out of anxiety is that our brains mm. can be faulty they can give us faulty messages yeah. Yeah. because we think it ourselves yeah. we assume it's true mm. so when you're feeling anxious about food you need to challenge it yeah. even write yeah. it down like what am i anxious yeah. about but the weird thing is it's, it's actually the food that's making her anxious yeah. because she's not eating and the hormones are like all over the shelves so it's making her anxious so it, mm-hmm. it's this weird yeah so if you get your breathing right i mean obviously you're good at doing food anyway aren't you but yeah. i think it's she was eating so strict yeah. for such a long time and then after it she's got back on the carbs and obviously hormones have just mm. gone and how do you feel I think, with, I think with me it's i know so much more information now yeah. on how my body works what this food will do to me how much energy that will give me how yeah. that food will make me feel it's almost like after doing the fitness competition, I know too much yeah. for my own good because yeah. now you start really picking and yeah. assessing, and which was never mm. an issue before. So I guess because I have got quite a good strong mindset, I've got good people around me, and yeah. you know people that level me off. Um, I think coming out of something like that and not having people like that around you, yeah, that's where big problems would start. What, to what arise. do you eat? I'm the same as Kay. I over obsess. It's all numbers. Give me, to me. give me a bit, an example of what you eat in a day. So, um, I eat a lot because I train a lot. That's not and really I, an answer, is it? <laughs> give me. All right, okay. I'll tell you what I ate yesterday, and you, but I think you'll be amazed at how much I ate. <laughs> so, for breakfast, I had. All right, okay. So yes, so two evenings ago, I went to a gym in town called UP, and I did an intense weight session. Then I went to bed, and yesterday morning I got up and did a weightlifting class. So I knew I had to eat properly um, yesterday morning. So after uh, I woke up, so obviously the first thing I had, because I'd, I'd been lifting the night before and I was about to go and lift again, mm-hmm. I had a piece of wholemeal toast with some peanut butter and half a banana sliced on it. And I had a black coffee. I went to weightlift. And then I got to the office and I had some overnight oats that I'd made. So it was 30 grams of porridge, almond milk, some natural yogurts, chia seeds, frozen berries, peanut butter, and a sprinkle of cacao powder. Mm -hmm. I think it was too full of stuff, really, in my mind. But anyway, that was my breakfast. Then it got to lunch and I had a huge salad, which was uh, mixed leaves, cucumber, cherry tomatoes, um, sugar snaps I'd roasted a pepper and I had a salmon fillet with it then I was really hungry in the afternoon because I had not really had any carbs with lunch I had some scrambled eggs on toast then I got home Kimmy's cafe <laughs> it's good that don't you train a lot though do you yeah, don't yeah. you need to feel your shit then yeah. I got home and before gymnastics last night because I had gymnastics at 8 o'clock I made a huge turkey sort of bolognese so it was like tomatoes, turkey, I made some whole wheat pasta, loads of spinach, loads of peas, and I had that, but I just felt like I'd eaten so much yesterday, you know. Um, and then I made, because obviously I got in from... But is that not right for the training that yeah, you're doing? Probably, yeah, it is. Mm. Um, and do you beat yourself up about the fact that you're eating so much? Or yeah, I do. do yeah, I do. The craziest thing is I eat more than that. Do you? And I'm not doing the gymnastics, yeah. I'm not doing the tricking, I'm not doing... What, what, so you then I, finish, I finished yesterday last night I made a protein shake for after the gym which was mm-hmm. almond milk oats berries and protein powder and that was it so how much do you eat? 
More than that. And what do you eat in a day? So mine's five meals, but without going too much into it, pretty much what you have there. Yeah. Um, but I'll have a meal four and a meal five. Right. So I'll have two oatmeals a day. Right. Um, but then with both oatmeals, I'll have fat, so I'll have peanut butter with both. Will you? Um, so at the minute, I've got a thing about baked oats. Right. So oats, almond milk, protein powder, baked in the oven. Incredible. Oh, my God. What, in a bowl? So yeah, yeah, yeah. Literally in a tray or a, like a tin. What, is it hard? It, like flapjack, it's gooey, and you can shove your berries in there, your chai seeds, your cacao powder. It's wow, amazing. So it's and okay. I find so that fuels me. You see, I get obsessed with numbers. I'm like you. Mm. It's all it's like this morning. That's your own downfall. Yeah, mm. this morning, and I'm also conscious that bad habits can get out of control. Yeah. You know, so because I felt like I overate yesterday, I didn't particularly want to have any carbs this morning. So I had mm. half an avocado, some cottage cheese, and two scrambled eggs. And some asparagus. But this is where I think it can get quite dangerous, especially in the industry that we're in, surrounded by fitness and obviously yeah. self with your gymnastics, is if I didn't have such an amazing coach to tell me yeah. that I needed to up my calories this week because I'm walking to and from work, yeah. which I think an hour and 10 minutes in the morning, an hour and 10 minutes home is fine. It's a lot though. Um, my calories massively need to go up. Um, and that's not a decision I'd make on my own. So I think you need specialist people to yeah. kind of mm. yeah. say, look, you know, you need to have an extra two meals if you're doing that, or yeah. you need to up your carbs if you're doing that. Well, I forget so everybody's important. different. You know what I mean? I don't yeah. really eat till one o'clock. Don't you? Mm. So you do the intermittent fasting? Well, without me knowing. I just yeah. I do what makes me feel good. So it's mm. funny, all the information that's out there. So I've been trying to eat healthily, and my goal is to perform well, because the reason mm. I'm doing all this fitness is because it makes me happy and it's key yeah. to my life. So yeah. I'm not doing it for any other reason apart from I want to perform really well and have a great time um, and I want to eat to fuel it so I don't want to be overtired that yeah. I can't flip I've got to have the energy so that's my reason for eating what I feel like is plenty um, but I also you know being a girl and all the rest of it I would like to be yeah. you know look good and be quite that, lean there? there's nothing wrong with that no so I started to uh, try the intermittent fasting for a few weeks so I'd go 15 hours without eating overnight I'd yeah dinner at 8 p.m I'd have bulletproof coffee in the morning, which Kay, I know that you have as well. Yeah. Um, with MCT oil and some collagen I put in there as well. And um, sometimes ghee. Now, I wouldn't eat for 15 hours apart from this coffee. And then I'd have um, meals, bet- you know, over the next nine hours. And I'd try and cram all my food in. And I was exhausted. After like the third week, I had like a, it was like I was poorly. Um, I had like a hangover, fuzzy head, couldn't think. Um... And I posted something on Instagram saying, does anybody know why I'm feeling so exhausted? I'm doing intermittent fasting and my carbs are quite low. And two good friends of mine, one is a nutritionist in London who has been kind of helping with nutrition. And another one is one of the guys who owns a CrossFit gym in town who's a good friend of mine, a guy called Craig. Um, Both of them said, can we talk? We need to talk to you about your diet. So one of them spoke to me on the phone and she said, stop doing the intermittent fasting. She was like, you're an athlete. You need to eat like an athlete. She was like, you have to eat a good balance. She said, I've gone to all the cutting edge latest courses on sports nutrition. People who are athletic have to eat a good balance of everything. You you can't cut carbs out. You can't cut fats out. You've got to eat it all and be balanced. Just eat the right stuff. Um, And my friend Craig said, let's go for breakfast. I need to talk Mm -hmm. to you about your nutrition. And he said the same. He said, you know, eat everything but well eat the right stuff but don't don't starve yourself don't fast he was like you have to fuel your body mm. so now i just fuel my body if i'm and he said also you can eat intuitively 
And he said mm-hmm. it's a bit of a wanky term, yeah. but it's a new thing everyone's talking about is intuitive eating. And all it means is you eat when you're hungry. Yeah, that's all I do. Yeah. He said, if you're hungry, mm. eat. So that's what I'm I find your up. body tells you what you need. Mm. It does. Massively. Yesterday, I was hungry all day. So I just mm. ate whenever I was hungry. Yeah, you know? that's all I do. I just mm. eat a lot of beef, me. Do you? I mean, like, a lot. <laughs> How much? Well, you tried know. the carnivore diet, didn't you? Um, no, I've not really tried it, to be honest. I just mm. kind of, I, I know, I've, I've tried not eating steak, right? And if I don't eat steak, right, I feel like shit. Yeah. Right? I need to eat steak. Yeah. It's just, it just it's me. It's the iron. My individual, mm. personal thing is. See, with me, steak yeah. makes me feel mm. clogged. It makes me feel, ugh. Well, it takes a long time to digest yeah. steak. Yeah. So it's, it really is different for everyone. Yeah. There's yeah. no kind of one I just work well on that. I work well if I don't eat in the morning and then just eat when I'm hungry, but eat yeah. a shitload. And that's it. You know, if that works for you, yeah. then that's great. Mm. You know, even last night when we finished the gym, someone <laughs> had donuts last night. So begrudgingly, well, I had a moment of, oh no, it's a donut. Fuck it, I'm going to eat it. Um, <laughs> I said to my friends, what have you all been eating? Because I can't stop eating. Like literally yeah. I'm hungry all the time. And even quite a few of my gymnast friends were like, oh, we're all intermittent fasting. And we only really eat two meals a day. And I was like, I just could never do that. No. I've tried the fasting. I was exhausted and mm. I need to eat, you know. Yeah. And I Your think, metabolism's firing yeah, all the time. Yeah, That's yeah, it. Yeah. Doing that yeah. much exercise yeah. as well. I mean, yeah. I went vegan first. Um, I think it was what? It was six months, weren't it? Well, we did... Three, well, yeah, was I it, did six months, you did three months. Was it and three how was months? It? It, 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 was, it was great to start off with. Was it? Yeah, I felt mint. Um, what did you eat? Just for the fact that um, everything was before, pretty much homemade. I wasn't, was it? I wasn't eating very well. Right. And so I felt great. And then all of a sudden I started getting really tired and I feel like shite. And then just introduced a steak and I was just mm. like, oh my God. How long did it take for you to, um, for you to get to that point where you were like, this it, is it, not it, for me? Um, it, it was it was about two months where I, I mean, my head wasn't firing like I know I know myself yeah I know myself that well that I thought when I'm talking to people I'm just not like that I just thought there's something missing here yeah you know don't you yeah and what about you Kay what, what were you I eating I loved it did you yeah. I was without being yeah she worked know, really well too for descriptive her. I was going to the toilet regularly yeah. I felt like my energy was clean and that's the yeah. only way I can describe it, a clean, consistent yeah. flow of energy. Really? Um, I mean, if I wasn't kind of, if I didn't have a goal for doing another fitness competition next year, I would be vegan right now. Really? 100%. And how does that's that, when I felt the best. And how does that work with your counting of numbers? I didn't. And that was the beauty. Ah. It was eat when I'm hungry and pack as much color in there as possible. Really? Yeah. So did you th- do you think, knowing what you know now, do you think you were getting enough protein? At the time? No. No. Does that even matter? I mean, it matters to us, but does it even matter, really? Yeah. Listen, I don't know who knows me. That's I just it. I think there's a lot of conflict. Yeah. Honestly, because we work and we, we see a lot of personal trainers, everybody's got yeah. conflicting thing. Yeah. All I can say to people is just know Listen yourself. Listen to yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Get yeah. A, if you want, get a diet plan, cool. But remember that, no matter, like I said, with the vegan thing, I wasn't eating that well anyway. That when I went on it, yeah, I'm gonna feel mint anyway. Yeah. It's not the fact that it's good; it was just lots of vegetables. I was eating yeah. shit before, <laughs> but for um, me as well, the, the one of the main parts, which is probably bigger than food, is sleep. Yeah, you know, if you're not getting enough sleep, yeah, then I, you I can't expect to function at all. I've learned that. Can I blow my nose? Can you blow your nose? <laughs> no, you can't. Fucking blow your nose. <laughs> I feel locked up. Jesus Christ! What type of podcast do you think this is? <laughs> 
Can I blow my nose? Do we need to follow the commentary now? Right, well, Kimmy is currently taking an aloe vera (laughs) Kleenex, right? Folding it So she's actually spent that little bit extra just so it doesn't make her nose red. So you can now hear the mucus running from her nose. Very dissatisfying. <laughs> Nose blue. <laughs> it's weird, isn't it? I always find, I, yeah. I just find nutrition really strange. And yeah. no matter how many times I keep talking about it, it all comes back to how do you feel? Mm. I don't feel so good in this, then fucking change mm, yeah. it. But I've, I've got a question for you, actually, Kimmy. Yeah. Um, is hydration. It fr- is, is, who's it from? This is from I me. feel like there's been a lot of questions. <laughs> Ask Kimmy this. <laughs> I don't know. So hydration, obviously. Yeah. Oh. It's you keep moving. Is that me? Yeah. <laughs> um, so obviously hydration's a massive part for me. Like I constantly Do have you? water with me all the time. Um, is it true you set an alarm for every 30 minutes at the <laughs> oh, office? I see. There <laughs> <Yeah>. we go. <laughs> Talk to me about that. So this has been going I on for years. This. Right. I don't I know what this. it is that makes me do these random things. Right. I don't know whether it's because I love was being healthy or I like playing games or yeah. I like the unity it brings with a team or right. all of the above all of the above probably <laughs> so for years I've been doing the water challenge at work mm. um and I always put a disclaimer out there which says you don't have to do this you know you you playing at your own free will so every half hour there's an alarm that goes off on my phone or whoever we designate as the person with the alarm that day and you've got to drink a cup of water so it's a cup this size we've got like a water dispenser and it's got little blue cups and it it's 180 mils because I've measured it. So <laughs> so everybody in the office has got this little blue cup. And every time the alarm goes off, you've got to drink this glass of water. And I cheat sometimes and I make it 20 minutes. So half the time, people are somewhere between 20 to, 20 to 30 minutes. This goes on all day. And it's been going on for maybe five years. I love that. Yes, yeah, you should do it. It's the worst challenge. Love everybody it. gets involved, right? Because nobody drinks enough water. And I don't know about here, but at our work, it's a cross-section of healthy people and unhealthy people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, everybody wants to be a little bit more healthy. And if they're being forced into something or they're being invited to play, then it's great. Yeah. It means that by the end of the day, you've drank about three litres of water, maybe a little yeah. bit more. And it's fun. Everyone's like, oh, get me some water. Actually, what I think I really enjoy is what it brings. Yeah. It brings us together. We, we laugh about it. It's like a, mm. a shared challenge yeah um you should 100 percent do it it's loads of fun i'm gonna do it and i'm gonna like, roll it out it's from like today do it from today yeah. it's like yeah. this much water yeah. and everybody can neck this much water and i did do my research at one point to find out am i being a bad boss by no, suggesting no. it so i did my research on how much water can you drink in a day mm-hmm. um we're within safe limits and like i said i give the disclaimer you don't have to play and some people don't. So it is a game. It's a game. Yeah, yeah, it's a game. It's just health management again, yeah. but done in a good, in a good yeah. way. And I, Give I me love the water monitor. Like, right, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's so funny. People really enjoy it. And then um, the other one was Sally Up, Sally Down. I got going at 4pm every day at the office. What? So like, Sally Up, Sally Down. Sally Up. Bring Sally, Sally down. down. What the we fuck? do. It's a three and a half minute squat we challenge. We actually did it with my mum at the weekend. I saw. Sally, up, Sally so down. We could yeah. do it in a bit if you want. Yeah, right. We'll do it before I go I'm today. Up, I'm up for that. We'll get the whole office doing Timmy it. Timmy up. Timmy <laughs> down. So it's three and a half minutes to. Yeah. Um, I think it's Moby. I think mm. it's a Moby song or some somebody. Anyway, um, every time they say Sally up, you've got to stand up. Every time they say Sally down, you've got to squat. Have you made this up? No, no, no it's, it's a really, it's really well known. I told you about me bubble. We used to do it in boot camp. 
Yeah, it's a boot camp sort yeah. of thing. Oh, is it? Yeah, CrossFitters do it as well. And um, we'd be email round at like half three, then on coming in. And then most of the office would come in and we'd do this Sally up, Sally down. And then some others would come in and go, oh, I'm not doing this. <laughs> but it was great. And again, it was loads of fun. And now um, the, the latest one is the press-up challenge. We've got a scoreboard on the wall. And again, it's you only play if you want to play. But if mm-hmm. you say the number 10 or if you say, oh, it's mine, as in that chair's mine, there's a forfeit of 10 press-ups. So what happens if you swear in your office? Everyone swears all the time. <laughs> so there's nothing... We actually said we were going to change the words to um, tired and hungry. We've not done it yet, Very but good. because everybody says tired and hungry as well. But yeah. at the minute, it, it's, you know, we're all racking up 100 press-ups a day. 100. Really good, and this is people who don't ever do mm. press-ups. But I think it... I think it creates... Do you do any mindfulness in the office or anything? Do you do, you, do, you do anything like that? No, because I find sometimes people find it hard to sit quiet and do mindfulness. I don't know. I've not... I've not you should do. Yeah, I should. It's I amazing. I don't know how to get the office into well, it. Well, I'd, I'd use our mind culture. It does ours. And he comes in and, I mean, the couple of lads were really... And we're talking like... They can't, you can, I'm looking like that at me one eye and they're kind of going... And the feel, but now they're asleep. Could you after put twenty minutes? Mean touch your mind coach because yeah. maybe we could put him through work. Yeah, yeah. And he could come to work yeah. and do it for the office. I mean, at the minute Russell's working with Leeds Rhinos, um, Warrington Wolves rugby players. Right. Um, he's working Council. with the police. He's working with councils and getting mindfulness into these places. About just these little five minutes I'm talking about, where you just yeah. switch your mind off, just health management again I'll look, if you could put me in touch with him yeah. um, because we I'll give you all his details after yeah. perfect yeah. but next time you come on the podcast we're going to get Diane um, you can come on one of our day spars because she, she's be like oh my god so my family are big into mindfulness oh, right, um, wicked. and yoga um, so when I was growing up um, being my mum's side of the family are French um, I'd go to Paris for the whole oui, summer oui. <laughs> <laughs> oui. I'd go to the summer for the whole I'd go to Paris for the whole summer and every afternoon uh, my cousin who's French would stay with me as well sometimes and um, my grandma would make us lie on the carpet and do mindfulness and basically we'd have to lie there and she'd say right close your eyes and we'd go on a flying carpet so she'd say you're on a flying carpet and we're flying over Egypt and we'd go on this journey but being like Mm. eight I didn't want to do it neither did my cousin so we'd wait till she drifted off like chatting we'd go and hide in the toilet like crying with laughter and she'd obviously peep and go ah where have you gone come back and this was like (laughs) see that generation had it locked down oh yeah Yeah. in every single way growing their own food and yeah Yeah. flying carpet she was she was really mindful and she'd take us to natural healers as well so um that's, maybe, that's amazing now. Yeah, a couple of, you know, maybe twice a month we'd go to this guy. We'd travel all the way across Paris and we went to him privately a couple of times, the three of well, me, my grandma and granddad, and we'd sit in this in his, it was like a doctor's surgery and he would have my grandma lay on the bed and he'd, you know, sounds really silly, but he'd put his hands on her, on her shoulders and yeah, on her yeah. face and her head and she'd feel the energy coming out of yeah, him. Yeah. We'd all do that. Other times we'd do his group sessions and we'd stand mm. in a room with 20 people and he'd go around the room and he'd touch everyone on the head, yeah. talk to them, touch them, put his hands on their head and on their shoulders and stuff and on, on their chest and then yeah. he'd go to the next person and we would come out like we'd been charged by a battery. Right, you it's, love Russell then because it's kind of the mix. It was incredible, yeah. you know, yeah, yeah, and yeah. my granddad was very grumpy, ex kind of war veteran. Yeah not into anything airy-fairy. And he used to get such a charge from this guy. Yeah. You know, it was incredible. Wow. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah. So you were pretty lucky then growing up to have all of that yeah. within yeah. the home. Yeah. I think it's why I'm quite a spiritual person mm. now. You know, I've got a lot of belief in sort of, you know, this sort of thing. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's good, isn't it? I mean, um, when, when Diane comes in, she's got about five different practices that you should do. So you choose what you want. So right. you have Reiki. So nobody chooses Reiki because nobody kind of believes in the energy. Yeah. Touch, you know what I mean? Yeah. Or you can have just have a normal massage or Indian well, massage. So I'm going to try the Reiki, I think. I'm you should do it. Again. The things that the two of you do, I just think are incredible. You know, I would love to just spend a month with you both. <laughs> you know, like yeah, you walk with you to, in the morning. You're welcome you're welcome to I want to do your morning rituals. Yeah, like yeah. The morning <laughs> rituals are the biggest thing. I mean, um, we've only just started doing the Tibetan rituals recently. Tibetan yes. Holy shit. Honestly. Like that stuff's game just changer. like game really? changer yeah so it's a sequence of five exercises yeah and you start off doing each exercise seven times mm. and then you add one every day so yeah. you do seven one day eight the day after nine mm. and you build it up to 21 right and it's these five exercises and it aligns your chakra and it will release any blockages and i i do them after the walk mm. in the morning in the park yeah and all i can describe it is you've got a bottle of muddy water you shake the bottle and then it all settles wow. and all the shit goes to the bottom and then all the clean water comes to the top and that wow. is literally how you feel mm. wow it's Sounds next amazing. level yeah. i just need somebody to do it with because yeah. like you were saying about sleep before and how important sleep is gymnastics means i get in at 10 at night yeah you're still mm -hmm. buzzing I'm still buzzing yeah and it's like last night I was so convinced I'd get in and go straight to bed, and yeah. I had to just spend an hour and a half just pottering around and yeah, chilling yeah. out. And I'll mm -hmm. listen, I'll show you these breathing techniques. You'd be like, oh, God. really? Yeah, it's sick. Yeah. That it's would be sick. great. It's sick, honestly. So then in the morning, like I would love to do all this stuff, but getting up can be hard at times, yeah. you know. Yeah. So if you go to bed at like half eleven, quarter twelve after gymnastics, getting up at seven, I'm like snoozing my alarm till eight o'clock. Mm. Yeah, you know. But I want to do all this stuff. Well, this I think this is where the batching thing comes in for you. Yeah, I think yeah. if I put this nice little plan together for you, in fact, we'll do that, right? I, I want, in fact, you can be my guinea pig. That would be amazing. Right? Mm. We'll do that, and then I want you to do it for three months. Then you come back on the podcast, and then we we'll yeah. talk. We we'll talk about it. That would be amazing. I'll show you I'd the breathing. So we'll show you the Tibetan rules. Um, obviously, you've got your gymnastics on certain times. I want you to come home and look at your board and go. I know exactly what I'm doing on each. That day. would be amazing. Thank yeah. you. Uh, what can I do for you? Nothing. Don't need, I need to do something don't need for you. fuck all I've got everything <laughs> just keep stroking my dog because yeah. he oh. looks really comfy yeah. he's so cute he's cool isn't he so have lovely. you um, have you ever actually thought about it's going to be a bit deep this but I know you're, you're open to it have you ever actually thought about what your purpose is in life mm -hmm. what is your purpose in life so it might sound really stupid but I think that my purpose in life Mm -hmm. is to help activate other people. Mm -hmm. So because I can problem solve and because yeah. I've come through this huge journey, I think that my purpose in life is to make other people be able to see what their potential is. Okay. I've kind of started doing it a little bit yeah. just because we're all around various characters and people and, mm -hmm. and I really enjoy and spend a lot of time helping other people with their problems. So I've got some friends who really suffer with anxiety and... Mm -hmm. One in particular being, I know that being around me day to day for the last year or so has helped him a lot. He's, he was on medication and he's not on it anymore. I've helped him see how he can enjoy life. You know, I'm also quite good at making people believe that the sky's the limit. And that's like mm -hmm. a big part of who I am because I was this person who was crippled by anxiety and, pa and panic. I couldn't see a future at all when I was in that state. And now I've come so far to being sat here today, you know, mm -hmm. um, 
I can see how amazing things can be. And I just feel like I've got this gift now and I can, I can basically, you know, speak to somebody who's can't see mm-hmm. what they could be or can't yeah. see how they could physically change their life and I can mm-hmm. help them see it. So that I think is my purpose. And I don't know whether it will be something that I do informally with my mates as the years go by or whether it's something that I'll take more seriously. What charity, what charity work do you do? Um, all sorts of stuff, really. Um, we have a charity called Super Josh, which we kind of do through work. Um, when I was younger, when I was at Sofa, I did loads of cancer research fundraising. Mm-hmm. Um, mainly the last few years, it's been Super I think Josh. what I mean is more through Kimmy O'Brien. Don't know. What do you mean? What, what charity work do you do as Kimmy O'Brien? Just stuff through work. Right, okay. Then what we need to do, I think that's your little bit that's missing from you okay that in the batching you need to give an hour a week okay even if it's going down talking to urban outreach yeah or something i think putting that into your life is gonna just enhance everything because okay. i think if that is your purpose then you need to include that into your batching process yeah okay and if it can be on a sunday where you're just giving an hour away yeah. after training or before training or taking to somebody to training yeah just to give that i think that's just yeah. gonna I mean, that sounds great, yeah. Yeah. I'm definitely up for that. But you need to pick the right thing. That's what I was going to say. It's got to be kind of relevant yeah. to mm-hmm. my skill yeah, set. Yeah. What about the two of you? Like, what are your purposes in life? My purpose is to help other people find their purpose. Right. Mm-hmm. Amazing. Yeah, and that's I've, I've known that for ages. And wow. I wake up every single morning, no matter if sometimes I've been tired or whatever, knowing that that's the thing, so I've got no excuses. Yeah. Um, I, I want to thank the person that told me to... I think it's about 12 year goals to stop doing what I'm doing because like you're not meant to be doing this I want to thank that person because he's been the driving force for what were you doing um I was basically with the portfolio going around agencies asking for work right um I needed some help I needed some guidance and stuff and one guy just said to me look Tim you need to stop this because it's not for you Wow. And I just want to thank him because he's my driving force right to this day every wow. time I get up in the morning I'm like motherfucker wow check me out now <gasps> Yeah, so it's, it's stuff think, like that. I think mine's, we were talking about this the other day, weren't yeah. we? I think mine's um, to tell people's stories. So really? whether that's through photography, mm. video. Um, obviously, I worked in a bar for like nine years and we used to call them the bar flies. So we'd right. have this group of guys that used to come in. They'd come in at like 6 p.m. when we opened. They'd stay till like gone midnight and they'd just divulge all their mm. stories and and they'd say what do you think what would you do and so quite early on I was kind of hearing story after story after story and then obviously fashion background helping people build outfit choices through my merchandising so it was telling stories through clothing through fashion and then obviously yeah. starting here wow doing it through a visual and an audio yeah. format as well is telling that story through different media really yeah, yeah. amazing and I think, yeah and through... i think that's something when i when i took k on um um that i knew that that was her thing and obviously we had to develop that and stuff but she's a beautiful storyteller yeah but beautiful. like you what beautiful things but like you yeah. all of those skills that you know from yeah. merchandising to yeah. listening to people's stories in the pub everything yeah. has filtered through to what i'm doing now yeah, in this we, little we, package we did yeah. a, she did a vi- one of the first videos i got her to do was for ball and hospice and they've, they've got a, a thing called the bubble um, what was it at the time the bubble rush no the color uh, one the color, and yeah, the the, she one. did this video right. no no and, the bubble and, rush um, yeah, it was yeah. the color one um, and she she captured the actual essence of that. Wow! And it was only an event, and it were kids going round. But you, every person you know was actually running that event for a person. 
So she just captured the emotion and told the story. I know it's only event. I know it sounds like dramatic. Wow. But, but I think yeah. you've, and for me especially, and I think it'll be with you as well, Kimmy, is you know you found your purpose Yeah. when your purpose is easy and when you do it mm. without actually thinking. Yeah. And yeah. it's something, nine times out of ten, it'll be something that you're really good at. Yeah that you don't actually yeah. think about being good at. Yeah. You just naturally yeah. find it easy. Yeah, yeah I've got, well, I'm working with a, a company called Urban Outreach at the minute, and it, it's for people, like, I mean, there's families who, like, they, they, they've lost the, the sort of, like, man of the household. Oh. Um, and then, obviously, like, people are going homeless and the families and stuff. So we're doing something for them at the minute, but I'm thinking maybe... You know, there's something that you could do there. Wow, definitely. Even if it's just on. I, yeah. Listen, you've got to manage your time. You've got to make yeah. sure that Kimmy's energies are perfect. Yeah. That you just go in and you're just doing an hour and a half. But yeah. that hour and a half, you could just change somebody. That sounds amazing. That, yeah, that you just well, up your, 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 yeah. yeah. And you know, it's funny. I don't know about with your knowing your purpose. So once you've worked out what it mm. is that your purpose is. Mm-hmm. Whenever an opportunity comes up, you you want to oh, do it. You yeah. go full yeah. charge at it. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. like, um, there's a girl, there's a lady at gymnastics, and um, she's a bit older than me. I say she's maybe twenty years older than me, and she's pretty incredible. You know, she can cartwheel and handstand, and she loves being there. But she's very, um, she's quite self conscious, and and I can just see I can help her so much. You know, mm-hmm. and I've seen some other people. There's another person who sometimes says oh you know you've not got that skill and you've not got this skill and I take her to one side and I say you have got this you can be amazing and I'm watching your journey Mm. and come here and this is a treat you bring yourself gymnastics and it's a treat to you and um so maybe actually when you went back before talking about the job of a teacher yeah and you said oh no teaching's not for me yeah teaching is for you but in a completely different way and I'd really enjoy speaking to this lady and empowering her and I can see she I can see it's, it's she's soaking it up and it's doing her well. And then I remember I went home that night and I was in bed and I was thinking, I wonder if I've actually got superpowers. I wonder if I hugged her, she could take some of my energy. <laughs> Why didn't you hug her? Well, I didn't, I forgot I'd gone home by this point. Oh, right, okay. But then I was thinking, next time, Dude, I'm going to try. Dude, you can talk to her. Next time you see, yeah. just go over and just hug her. She might be able to take some of what yeah. I've got. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's, but it's true yeah. that yeah I t- honestly I totally <laughs> believe in that shit man love that so next like, time you see don't talk just go over and just hug her yeah. just shock the fuck out of her <laughs> and she'll be just like overwhelmed yeah. that much and I wonder if it could be like the thing where she'll then feel charged yeah. do you know what I mean yeah, you, yeah, t- yeah. you can take each other's energy yeah. like because people like us you've got bundles of it I want to share yeah. it I want to yeah. give some of it and well, I that's, think- that's what I'm saying about that I think that you need to put some of that um, into your life yeah I think not so. free work just free personal Kimmy Albright and yeah. I think it'll just you can bank on just blah yeah it's all about universe shit isn't it? I think too many times especially this day and age people think something and don't say it and yeah. by saying it you can make such a difference so yeah. I remember we I think we were at a, we'd done a gym session and we were in the pool and we were just kind of you know relaxing and just kind of coming back down to earth and there was an old guy at the side of the pool doing yoga right and everybody in the pool was looking at him laughing Mm. and for 20 minutes I'm sat at the side of the pool in awe of this guy wow thinking Mm. this guy's fucking incredible he is like 70 80 stretching and he didn't have a care in the world and when he walked past I just kind of said you know what can I just say that that was fucking incredible mm. and I watched you the whole 20 minutes and he was like thank you very much and he Did kind he? of walked off and yeah, d- yeah. so yeah you're buzzing with that one aren't you? so yeah. that makes me because think it of... made me feel yeah insane mm. 
something about being brave yeah. yeah so bravery is like the thing you practice like you I don't mm-hmm. think bravery comes easily and I think people are naturally not brave unless it's in your character to be really brave I think a mm-hmm. lot of people just aren't um so every time I want to do something and my brain goes oh I'm not doing that I have yeah. to do it good have to so it's like anything that's slightly awkward or embarrassing or god people are gonna yeah. look have to do it yeah because yeah. it makes you braver and actually she'll you, tell you what mine is what? right and it's gonna sound really weird this right is I actually start conversations in the men's changing rooms <laughs> right I didn't know I know this. I know I know, I know but <laughs> I just, I look at someone and, you know, I, I just... Why are I, they getting changed? Well, they're getting changed, right? And I just, I just want to start a conversation and it's... Where do you look? I to just at the face in their eyes. Like you were saying, you made that eye-to-eye contact and, yeah. I, and I just kind of talk. And then the next thing you know, the guy's in talking about a podcast. Yeah. So that's, you know what I mean? Yeah. So it, it's just it a leads. simple conversation can lead anywhere. Yeah. It's just like I'd... Sometimes I just start conversation elevators. I'll start a conversation with people in the Morrisons, and next thing you know, the guys come in doing a magic trick in here. Wow! You know, you remember what was he called? Oh, we met a guy in Sainsbury's. <laughs> got talk, talking <laughs> randomly, and the next minute he was like, "Oh, I'm a magician." Wow! And so I'm like, you come in the office and do sleight of hand tricks, and he says, so he's going to come in and do some. That magic. is amazing. Yeah, I'm, I'm wow! Just talking to people. Man. Yeah, it's great, isn't it? Mm. It's absolutely. Do you amazing. people watch? I do like people watching, yeah. Mm. But sometimes I'm in my own head. I people watch for a space of time and then I'm doing my yeah. own thing. Mm. Do you? I people watch like intensely. Do you? Yeah. And what are you looking for? Even, even now in the podcast, I've been quite quiet because I'm just, I don't know, it, I just love watching people. <laughs> Not like in a weird way. No, no. <laughs> in an interesting yes. way. Yeah. Oh, you look at you weird. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> it's <a> freaky. <laughs> right, listen. We've been doing two and a bit hours. Thanks, I've really wow. enjoyed it. So I'm going to stop so nice it here, but this isn't. This is just the start of it. Okay, I'm going to put this end. batching thing in place for you. Yes, N- I'll not do honestly. It. You know what I'm like. Yes. I just say it and we just do it. Yeah. Um, I'm going to show you some breathing techniques. We do the batching. I'm going to figure out where um, if you can help in the urban outreach because I think you'll love it. Right. That sounds great. Um, I'd be really, I'd be really interested. in And doing then in it. about three months we have a catch up and yeah. then see how it's helped yeah okay and that'd then be incredible just to give advice to other people as well would be really yeah, cool that'd be amazing thanks so much for having me Kimmy O'Brien thank you very much I've had a lovely time <laughs> goodbye everybody goodbye goodbye Bye.